Welcome back to the show. This is our seventh episode of the Readiness Report live with our very new format. Well, it's getting, Eric, it's getting less new every time we uh, we go forward to the seventh episode. Well, now we've got a third body. So yes, this is, this is a surprise. So Mark Vargas is here in the uh, studio. And before we introduce Mark, so we're going to get Mark to tell us a little bit about himself. And uh, Mark is actually going to be participating in our question and answer stuff, but also, more importantly, the news of the week. And uh, here in the Readiness Report, we talk about all kinds of stuff, Mark. And Mark is very well-versed in the political and the media arena and uh, is uh, has a lot of things to say. So before we get there, let me remind everybody that there is a question and answer segment. If you have questions, please ask them right now. Johnny will save them, right, Johnny? And when we go to the questions, at, oh, so Ryan's going to be saving them. So when we go to the question and answer segment, they will be asked. So he's saving them up, saving all your good questions. And if your good question is not answered, make sure you hit hit Ryan up again and again and just harass him. I'm totally good with that. So you may notice we we are uh, lavalier mic'd up. So we are improving the every single show. We're moving up the, the production quality of the show, whether it's the lens and the camera or the, uh, in this case, the audio. So hopefully the people that said that they wish that the audio was a little crisper right now, hopefully you're saying it's pretty damn good. And in the near future will be from a whole new studio. A home studio. A whole new studio. A whole new studio. I was at home studio. Yeah, home. Home. Oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you you're gonna do the show from home. Oh, shut. <laughs> My wife would be happy. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, this, this where you're seeing right now is, is we're basically put this place up um, specifically for the show. We've got lighting and everything, but it's right in the middle of the second floor and the second floor hasn't been finished. It's it's basically like uh, how the building started off, yellow, Crazy. green, uh, blonde wood, very 80s. And uh, and so you're going to be seeing the new studio, which is going to be awesome. We're going to spend uh, some money in here. Hopefully not too much money. Uh, yeah, uh, but we'll have the best production quality there is. Yeah, we will have the best production quality there is. And that's one thing I always tell people. I think I probably told you, Mark, when I showed you around, I showed you all the the, the video equipment, you know, we never spare any expense when it comes to getting the best shit, basically, you know. That's true. Yeah, I want it, I want it to be the best. So we have the best equipment. We want to have now the best studio, and, and we're going to have their infinity walls from wall to wall, green walls. We'll have multiple sets for TV shows. We're going to have tracks to run cameras. I mean, it's going to be next level. It's going to be totally next level. So before we get into the topics and the news of the day, Mark, give us some background. Who is Mark Vargas? What the hell are you doing here? <laughs> I'm still asking that question. Like, asking, yeah, how do I get put yeah, this, is, this is what happened. Yeah, I'm the smallest guy in the <laughs> But uh, first of all, I want to thank you, Aaron, and Eric, and Redcon One for all of the work that you do on behalf of our military, uh, our veterans, our first responders. And it's really impressive. And this event that you hosted this past weekend for the mm -hmm. Murph Challenge was unbelievable. The thank attendance you. was incredible. So. My hats off to the to all of you and the entire Redcon team for an incredible event, and it was an honor yeah. to be there. Yeah, and that's why Mark actually flew down and initially was for the Murph event, and and it was fantastic, and uh, we loved having you there. You and Bernie Carrick both came down for the event, and uh, the event was a tremendous. I would say, for, in my opinion, in any way, it was a tremendous success because it's very difficult to know what to expect that's in right. these uncertain times. How many people will show up? You know, will 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 people showing up will it be like a good contest? Will there be good content? How will, I mean, there's a lot of questions, yeah. and, uh, and so for us, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, and and there's usually with stuff like that, I, I feel very confident, um, and I was very confident in the team. We had some great people on our team, uh, Skyler, Matt, um, a lot of those guys helped out. Of course, Susie. I mean, there's a lot of oh yeah, that, that was work weeks of planning, and weeks there. and weeks of planning. So I felt confident in them, but I wasn't sure how it would all pan out in the end. And it did turn out to be fantastic. And I mean, I felt really great about it. We had a helicopter land right in the middle of the event, which is really cool. Our friend Tyler Merritt from Nine Line 
uh, owner and CEO of Nine Line, uh, called one of his fellow friends. He was a night stalker and a 13-year veteran of uh, the Army, but also a West Point uh, instructor and, um, I guess, what would he be like? A professor, I guess. He was a West Point professor and uh, and flew as a night stalker for, for quite some time. And he had a friend bring one of their little birds, which flies out, you know, uh, special forces, usually like tier one guys into combat. And this guy flew it and landed right in our parking lot of the gym. That was That's super cool. cool. Yeah. And uh, and then the actual public event was really great, where we had hundreds of people raise fifteen thousand five hundred twenty-five dollars. It's amazing. Uh, for the for the Michael Murphy Foundation. So, I mean, I'm I'm proud of it. I'm happy because I know in a different situation, yeah, maybe we would have been able to do bigger numbers or whatever. But ultimately, uh, for this situation, this time in the world, it couldn't have been too much better than that. No, it was tremendous. As President, President, uh, President Trump, or he'd say it was tremendous. It was <laughs> yes. tremendous. Yes, he probably would, because it was. I mean, it, it was, was tremendous. It was great. Um, so keep going, but, Mark. But thanks for the invite to be on here. And just to give, not to bore uh, too many people, but my background, my lightning bolt moment was on September 11, 2001. I was a student at Judson University outside of Chicago, and I walked into the main TV room just in time to see the second plane flying to the World Trade Tower. And my initial reaction with all the guys in my dorm was, I'm going to do something about this. And so at that moment, my life had purpose and meaning. And it led to me going to Washington, D.C. And, and interviewing for a job at the Pentagon to be on the staff of the Secretary of Defense. And I was intimidated to walk in all the flags, all the seals of the different branches of the military. And my interview was essentially one question. And it was, you know where you're going, which was Iraq, why? And I believe that this was a, a question I've been preparing since I was a student in, on September 11th. And without hesitating, I said, I believe that my generation is waging the battle of our lifetime in the Middle East and particularly in Iraq. And one day I want to look back and say that I was a small link in bringing stability to a war-torn country. And so from 2007 to 2010, I deployed to Baghdad 14 times as a civilian. Um, 2008 was a tough time. It was during the surge when we were getting rocketed 25 times a day. And so as a civilian who never wore the uniform, and you're not allowed to carry weapons as a civilian. And so when things got hot, uh, it was certainly nerve-wracking, but it, it, um, it created a lot of strength. And um, it was an honor to serve our country in, in combat as a civilian. And so moving forward, I, I, I do consulting and I still do a lot of work with um, our veterans, and so that's why I thought it was an absolute honor to be here uh, this past weekend for for your event. Very cool, Mark. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on, and I'm very interested to hear your opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in the world because we are still in some very uncertain times, and the world is in a really uniquely crazy place. And uh, I'm going to do that, but uh, before we do, I have to at least point out. So, because you said about everything else, this is the Patriot edition of Total War. Uh, pretty unique product, you know, one of the things we do is we brand, rebrand Total War, uh, other products too, but Total War specifically for important events. And so obviously you could tell, this is, uh, the text may look familiar to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, uh, there you go. So, there you go. so anyway, um, this flavor will be out tonight as of right now, this flavor is available. It's the Patriot flavor and it's available now. And uh, the bundle comes with the shirt that Eric's wearing. Trying to show the shirt. It's a very sexy oh, shirt. Wow. Um, and then also the shirt. That's my birthday, 1776. You're not that old, Eric. You're not that old. Come on. Just all that gray this hair. Beard would tell Eric. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, guys, um, that's a masterful camera work, Johnny. I love it. 
<laughs> so let's go back into the news. So July 4th is coming up and uh, we have uh, normally an exciting, you know, talking about our Independence Day and, uh, you know, that's what we got, the Patriot War. My and birthday. Is it your birthday? My birthday is this right. You're born, I, I, I born on the 4th of July. Yeah. Tom Cruise made a movie about you. Yes. Literally, yeah, that was all about you. So, all about Mark Vargas, guys, you didn't know about that. <laughs> so, uh, July 4th is usually a very celebrated time where everybody is, you know, cooking out food, going to the beach here in South Florida, going to the beach. Uh, people do stuff as a family, and it's usually a very exciting time. And not saying that it won't be this time, but things are definitely different this year around. The numbers for the coronavirus, unfortunately, continue to, to rise again. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, we could speculate on. The reason are the numbers all truly going up, or there's just more testing, or is it being double count? Who the hell knows? But as a result of that, uh, here in South Florida and Florida, period, the beaches are all closed. So they've decided that the thing to do is close all the beaches. A lot of the states are now reclosing gyms, which, you know, we own a gym, Red Con One Gym. So uh, that's disconcerting. They're closing, they've already closed here nightclubs and, and bars and stuff. And so this, the fear is for a lot of people, including the people here at Red Con One, is will they shut down America again? What do you think? You know, this is a political hyper-partisan political season, and I can't help but think as a political strategist on the Democratic side, how this helps Joe Biden. And I'm, this is a very serious virus, and I personally know um, uh, people back in Chicago who have died from the coronavirus, who have been infected with the coronavirus. My friend Herman Cain was just uh, um, tested positive for the coronavirus, and he's in a hospital uh, as we speak in Atlanta. Uh, so it is very, very serious, but we cannot forget about the political angle to this. And, you know, a bad economy helps Joe Biden in November. And I'm seeing this in my own home state of Chicago, where uh, they want to keep the economy shut down. Yeah. Yeah, you're, 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 you guys in Chicago are particularly because you are the mayor there and the governor both uh, really want to keep things shut down and, and, uh, they don't care about anything else. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen people say, and it's not just your opinion, other people that are in the Democratic Party have said that, you know, obviously this will, uh, would, could potentially help um, make it difficult to elect, to reelect him. And obviously the, the worse things are, the worse it looks for him. And, uh, and that is, I mean, that's, a, that's certainly a fact, the fact that it, it does look worse, you know, that things that people will say he could have made different decisions and that things were not done the way they should have been. And that's why we're in this situation right now. And particularly here in Florida, I mean, the, the Republican National Convention is going to have their, the president's going to set, accept the nomination in Jacksonville in August. And so uh, if you're on the other side of the aisle, it certainly helps the cause when the president's home state where he's going to be accepting his nomination uh, to run for reelection uh, when the state's starting to shut down just a month before the convention. That's problematic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess the big concern is that, you know, as numbers, if numbers continue to rise, if it doesn't, you know, peter off and start heading back down, will we be allowed to go to the polls and vote? You know, will the vote be a remote vote or a mail-in vote ballot altogether? You know, um, and that's obviously uh, would could potentially change things for people. And that's definitely something that's never happened before in our history and would uh, would be a really big unknown. Yeah. I mean, we could have an alien invasion next month. You just never know. <laughs> no. 2020 has just been uh, off yeah. the charts. Is there something you're not telling us from the Pentagon? <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's that's the one thing. Tomorrow that, you're getting probed. Yeah, I was excited over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the the funny thing is that you know, uh, so it's not funny at all. Actually, it's something that that I they think back to is during 9/11. So I was 21 years old during 9/11, and I was at a, I was a personal trainer at a gym, and I was there uh, for my first client of the day when the first plane hit. And I'm like, holy shit, what are the chances? And the second plane hit. I'm like, oh my god, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and when that second plane hit, and the news stories started coming out. I felt like anything could happen, right? right? I felt like, holy shit, anything could happen. You know, people were saying other planes were in the air, you know, they were going to hit the White House, you know, we heard all kinds of crazy shit. And, uh, and I was in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in central Louisiana, and uh, people were saying, you know, there were people saying that we we're going to be invaded, mm -hmm. that it was the beginning of an invasion. You know, there's all kinds of crazy talk, especially there um, where, where I was at, where, where it was like, well, normally you say, oh, they're troops are coming to the shores, we're going to be invaded. I would be like, yeah, okay, crazy person, right? But, but because of what was happening right at that moment, I'm like, well, why not? I mean, it seems possible. So, you know, those feelings, I never had those feelings of uh, uh, uncertainty mm -hmm. like, since then until now, where it's like when people talk about crazy stuff, um, I'm like, well, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't, you know, I choose to usually side with the side of logic almost every time. Um, and I'm pragmatic. I'm a pragmatic person by nature. So, when I hear stuff now, all of a sudden it's that same feeling again. We're saying, well, I mean, you never know, you know, you never know what's going to happen next or what's the truth because there's so much craziness going on. There is. And now the uh, COVID generation of kids, when they hear someone honking at them, they're going to think it's someone's birthday. Yeah. Right? Not true. yeah. <laughs> they call them the, the quarantines. The quarantines. Oh God. Another generation. <laughs> the Hashtag. Quarantines. Hashtag. The millennials went bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> quarantines. <laughs> it's insane. You know, the one thing that, so having three little boys, one of the things that I noticed and Eric, you'll tell me what you, with Jackson, what it was like for you. But one of the things I really noticed that's been very interesting is how quickly my children adapted. It was very interesting because humans uh, as, a, as a species are meant to adapt, right? So if something seems bad, it's terrible, whatever. But before you know it, you get used to it. And now it's the new norm. Well, my kids adapted. I mean, like literally, like they're like, hey, you're not going to see your friends in the, in the future. You're staying at home. You're not going anywhere. No more school, you know. And they're like, oh, but it was like, oh, uh, for like ugh, an hour. And all of a sudden they like adjusted where it's like no big deal. And they're totally like, I don't know if they're okay with it, but they were not asking to go to grandma's house or go to Chuck E. Cheese or do anything. And, uh, and that's kind of scary in its own, in its own right. Or it's like, damn, they got adjusted so fast to the weird, you know, the weirdness of reality. Yeah. It became the norm. Yeah. Same Jackson was the same where, you know, first you have to tell him like, Hey, we can't do this. And then after a while, if he'd ask, he goes, Oh, that's right. We can't go there because of COVID. No. And that would be, that was it. And, you know, after a while, I mean, we got lax and we're like, all right, play with the neighbor kids because yeah. you got to have some semblance of normalcy. Yeah. You know, that's just because after a while, I mean, still at the time was only six. So, right. like, how do you really explain like no, what's going can't. on? So, obviously, a lot of stuff's happening with this. Fireworks shows were canceled, all kinds of different stuff. Parades, obviously, not going on. Big events not going on. And uh, the question is, Mark, will the government, will Trump, will, will somebody um, decide to at some point close everything down again? I, I would say no. I mean, we need to keep the economy going. And, you know, there's, there's pockets where you've seen higher numbers. It's not statewide. Right. It's concentrated in particular areas, especially with the, a young, the younger generation um, right now. But I want to bring up a point that's that's interesting. I, I think not a lot of people that recognize this. And I'd wrote a, I've written a national op-ed several years ago on this. And after returning home from Iraq as a civilian after all those deployments, you know, what's one thing that's different is July 4th fireworks and it's my birthday. 
but they sound identical to rocket mortar attacks. Mm. And so I think about all of our veterans who have served in combat, I can assure you that July 4th fireworks aren't a celebration to them because it sort of brings you back to those moments. Uh, and so, uh, again, it's just as a reminder of, of you know, what our veterans have gone through and, and what they deal with uh, when they return home. Oftentimes, yeah. the battlefield isn't downrange in, in the sandbox. The battlefield is when they return home. Right? Well, yeah, we, you and I talked about that the other night where just, you know, you as a civilian or sometimes riding in the car you're, and you're stuck in traffic, it brings on a lot of anxiety because you're used to, if you were in Iraq and that happened, you're sitting duck. That's right. You know, so sometimes those moments come back where it's just like, okay, I'm in that, I'm in that state again. So right. yeah, I can imagine that's, you know, like I say with fireworks, it can be probably bring on a whole series of thoughts and events. I, I don't enjoy the fireworks on the 4th of July like I used to. Usually. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Our next story is about Jeff Bezos and Amazon. So. If you've been following Amazon during this whole COVID-19 stuff, you already know that Amazon is, you know, I hate to say profiting off of it because I don't think there's anything they're doing that's wrong, but people are at home, they're ordering products at home, even more so, you know, our e-com portion of our business is significantly up, um, even though the rest of the business is down, you know, it hasn't, you know, it, right now we're starting to catch back up and go right in the right direction. But in general, the one thing that did go up, even when everything else went down, was our e-com version, our, our portion of the business and our Amazon portion of the business. So Amazon, even for us, is significantly up. We're up, you know, last month we were up about 20% over the previous yeah. month and that month we did really well. So uh, things have been moving quickly, you know, upward, up into the right for Amazon, not just for us with Amazon, but everybody pretty much. And Amazon, uh, for Jeff Bezos, who's obviously the main owner, I mean, the, the, uh, the CEO and the main owner, his uh, net worth has bumped up to $172 billion pretty wild uh and that's the the worth of the stock that he has plus his you know money he's got in the bank and everything else and uh that number it's funny because it was just 100 billion until it seems like not long ago yeah and it, i mean he held probably five six years ago it was like mid you know yeah. not even you know midway to 100 so because what gates was still ahead of him yeah bill gates has got 108 or something like that yeah. so he's just absolutely annihilating gates now so you think at this type of growth rate what did that what's the year i can't remember the year they said he is on pace to become a trillionaire like the first trillionaire in the I world don't, i don't remember the, the date but it can't it, be it's not based far on this, off i think it's within a decade yeah, yeah. 26 oh, so five trillionaire yeah that's wild so his guy. net worth will be greater than our net <laughs> yeah it's crazy <laughs> yeah, no our national debt will definitely be more no, than no, that. I don't. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's funny like one person yeah though. well he'll he'll definitely be uh the gross gp of most small countries yeah. i'm sure he's probably already there um, so I just want to show quickly the, the stock price so people could see, you know, Johnny's got the, the stock price loaded up and that's the price of the, of the stock. You don't have that loaded up, Johnny? That's on the list. It says show Amazon stock price literally on your, on your list here. So that is the, uh, the stock price for March uh, 23rd is when we really kind of hit a bottom for stocks. And since that happened, Amazon has been straight up. I mean, it's been crazy, crazy up in the last, uh, nope, that's not it, Johnny. You got to find the, don't worry about it. It's so, always uh, the same curve as everyone's credit card bills, right? Yeah, now. literally, <laughs> right? Like, literally. So it literally went, Amazon was going up and went down uh, to like 2,200 or maybe even a little lower, 1,600. And then now is what, 2,800, 2,900? 2,890 at close. 2,890 at close. So wow. it has exploded in terms of the stock price. 
And uh, and so is Jeff Bezos' net worth. Did Bezos collude with Wuhan scientists? No, I don't think so. In order to jack up, uh, <laughs> Amazon owns COVID. <laughs> right. yeah. well, and he's got uh, a very expensive divorce. Oh, yeah. And he's still doing all that. I mean, That's the thing. This is post-divorce. He's yeah. still worth now $172 billion. Yeah. Because yeah. then he, and she ended up getting half, close to... They split it. Yeah, and at that point, it was like $46 40, billion. That's right. Nearly $50 billion. In one transaction, she became the largest <laughs> female real estate holder in the world. So That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Um, well, she did pretty well for herself, and so did he. So yeah, no, there's didn't little, hurt listen, him at all. That's an expensive divorce. Expensive 50, divorce. $50 billion. Dollars. So our next uh, our next topic is Jeffrey Epstein's uh, confidant slash girlfriend slash whatever else she is. Say the name for me. Eduardo? Oh, nobody knows. Her name is Gislaine. That's not how we say it, right? Ghislaine. Ghislaine. I think it's Ghislaine. Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine. So she was arrested on sex abuse charges. Pretty Pretty damn crazy whole story of jeffrey epstein and uh for for you you guys out there that don't know which is probably almost nobody this was like the madam basically and that's the accusations is that she was accused of basically bringing in and uh kind of like spinning up the young girls getting them prepared for massages or to to find other young girls it's pretty wild if you haven't seen it on netflix yet the epstein actual videos is crazy the 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 series have you seen it i haven't seen it yet neither one of you guys it's pretty crazy it's pretty crazy and and this woman I think it's pretty safe to say she was an evil, evil woman. I mean, really, really bad. And uh, there's stories, and I don't get into all the stories. You should watch the show or or don't watch it, depending on if you want to be disgusted or not. But the, she was basically like holding the hands of the girls to get them ready for him, which is even weirder because he was, she was his girlfriend. Okay. And they broke up, and then she became like a, almost like a business partner to get the checks. And uh, literally, and uh, so she is uh, arrested. The FBI went and got her today. A lot of people have been calling for her arrest for quite some time since he was actually uh, arrested, indicted. He uh, people have been saying, "Well, why not her?" You know, because every single one of the accusers has some story about this lady. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting that she was uh, she was not arrested and she was out of the country or hiding for quite some time. I don't know if she just came back in and that's how they got her, but they said that she had been hiring. You know, I had heard she hired Navy SEAL security guards that were watching her because she was worried about her safety um, because, you know, probably because of whatever happened with Jeffrey Epstein is that she was very concerned about her own safety and uh, pretty wild. So so she's arrested. And the question is, right, what's on everybody's mind, what's happening on Twitter and everywhere else in the social media world is, so is she in danger? Is she, you know, she obviously knows a lot about probably everything. So is, is her you know, is she about to commit suicide, I guess, is the, or whatever suicide is the question uh, at hand, you know, uh, what do you think, Mark? I think the term is assisted suicide. <laughs> but, you know, she knows, she, <laughs> she, she knows way too much information. Way too much. And I, I can tell you, uh, in Palm Beach, there was a huge sigh of relief um, after Epstein's death, just because he threw the best parties. He knew everybody, and at the time, he was the guy. He was the guy that you wanted to hang out with. His his parties were the parties where all the A-listers showed up, and who's who. Um, and then to be wrapped up. Imagine being a corporate CEO, and there's all these photos of you partying with Epstein at his mansion. I mean, how your shareholders and your investors uh, would be a little bit hesitant because of that, and and the stigma that's associated with that. And so she certainly knows. No pun intended. Where all the bodies are buried, and so I, I would imagine that she is a high-value target. Yeah, no, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that, Eric. What do you think? Oh, 100%. Because like the old saying goes, three can keep a secret if two are dead. Right. So, um, you know, unfortunately, that's probably 
you know, might be her fate because again, we talked about this last week and you know, your freedoms are only uh, as much as you can afford and afford to protect yourself. And not that she's, you know, obviously she did a lot of wrong, but what I'm saying is that she probably won't be able to face justice because there's enough powerful people that just can make her uh, a distant memory. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting to see because if it was hard to do or even not hard to do for Jeffrey Epstein to make him disappear, right? Now it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more scrutiny and they're talking about the fact that there are people watching her 24 hours a day. But doesn't she have a uh, private like guard in prison right now? That's what they're saying is that there's somebody physically, you know, watching her at all times that there's a guard there. Obviously things can happen. The guard can kill himself too, you know? (laughs) I mean, who who knows what can happen, but it's definitely not going to be as easy this time around, you know? Like I said before, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't like conspiracies as a rule. Uh, but the Jeffrey Epstein thing is too many coincidences. Uh, you know, we talk about, I've told you about before, uh, Occam's razor, the simplest explanation is true. So usually in a conspiracy, that's never the simplest explanation. But when you talk about the fact that the cameras didn't work, the guards weren't there, the, all these different factors, right. or somebody killed him, right? Somebody killed yeah. him is usually never the explanation that's the simplest. But in that case, there'd be too many things that had to happen for it to just this perfect timing. And then the way that he killed himself by like pulling his body away from where he's not even hanging, where he's like pulling himself to kill her. It's, it's just a crazy, crazy story. So will they be able to go after her? Uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, it's going to be a lot harder this time. That's our funds that prison. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and going back to Iraq. I mean, the only way we could assure Saddam Hussein's safety during his trial, he was in a, a jail in Camp Victory uh, and they would motorcade him down route Irish into the green zone every day for his trial. But the only way to assure Saddam Hussein's safety that he lived through the entire trial was he was protected by the U.S. military. And so uh, you would probably need to see that sort of, not to that extreme, but that that sort of protection that's going to be required um, yeah. so that uh, we don't wake up in the morning and see a, a headline. Yeah. Well, I mean, will, will they do that? That's really the question is, will they are they going to invest the resources to protect her from being killed along the way? And I guess... Um, We'll find out. We'll find out. To be continued. To be continued. That's going to be very interesting. So Twitch. Twitch is our next story. I didn't even know about Twitch until relatively recently. You know, Twitch, you know about Twitch? I do not. You do not? Okay. So Twitch is this video gaming. Actually, Eric knows about it. Eric, you tell us. What's Twitch? So essentially, it's it's streaming where you can watch other people play. So there's a couple other similar services out there, but Twitch is the one that really took off where... I think a lot of it, the genesis of it was, you know, in the gaming world, there's a lot of shit talking that went on and, you know, people saying they did this or that. Well, then that was the way you could see people go head to head and actually watch it and participate in that way. As, and by nature, I mean, you know, I don't think Pornhub is, is successful. People by nature are voyeuristic. They want to watch. They may not participate, but they want to watch. So I think that's where, you know, from my point of view, Twitch is popular because people's nature that way, they can be passive and just watch this happen. These, you know, other people interact. So, um, what we didn't know until today was it got purchased by Amazon yeah, in 2014. Yeah, super, super surprising. So to give you an idea, Mark, and everybody out there who isn't familiar with Twitch, Twitch is ridiculously successful. Five billion hours were watched of Twitch in the second quarter of 2020. Wow. So, I mean, it's it's wild. So uh, I didn't know about Twitch until my, uh, my oldest son, who's seven, started watching other people play video games because me as a kid, that would have drove me crazy. You know, I, my little sister who was uh, four years younger would watch me play video games. There wasn't a way, a way in hell I was going to watch her play video games. 
Um, I have no, I, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend wanting to watch other people because you want to, when somebody's playing and I'm not playing, I'm like, well, let me, let me, let me participate. Yeah, you want to participate. But this is a thing now that has went far beyond, uh, you know, something on the, on the X, the, the end of, uh, of, of people's view. This is now is a big deal. So big a deal that, uh, that, you know, it's talked about by everybody and people are sponsoring because in our world, people are sponsoring athletes are video gamers that are that are have huge Twitch followings. It's a big deal to get a sponsor or somebody who is a, a big gamer. And these gamers are making tens of millions of dollars video gaming, and people want to see them kick ass on the game or whatever. Or sometimes they want to see a hot chick playing the video games because they want to watch the hot chick playing video games, which is also interesting and weird to me. <laughs> uh, but Amazon, this is new news today. Amazon in 2014, since we talked about Amazon before, purchased Twitch for. Uh, a little less than a billion dollars, so 970 something yeah. million in 2014. And while that sounds like a lot of money, they got one hell of a good deal. I mean, like a crazy good deal. Because I would say that, and this is my guess, but it would be many, many, many multiples more now, right, Eric? Oh, yeah, because like now it's an advertising platform. Mm -hmm. So now it can be monetized. So the value of it in one, the viewership, and then monetizing that viewership, I mean, it's got to be like an astronomical multiple. Is there a way to skip the ads on Twitch? Can you pay to customers? Uh, so there's two parts. Is so you can pay, right? Free, and then like say you have a channel, someone can you can host other people's and charge. And then if I want to watch your content, I have to pay you directly. And Twitch oh, so it's like almost like OnlyFans well. type thing where you yes. pay that yes. person. What's, what's watch. that, Aaron? I don't know. I heard about that. <laughs> um, I'm truly no no. Uh, I'm not uh, uh, paying anybody's OnlyFans. <laughs> I have heard about that. Uh, Ryan, Ryan told me all about it. Any girl on the in the gym that has OnlyFans runs like her, she's the one I was like, Can you can you just wire part of my paycheck to her? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ryan's, Ryan's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ryan's world is completely different from the kid on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric, is there is there anything? I guess Mark, we even better question, Mark. Is there any video game or any way that you watch somebody else play video games? No. Doesn't appeal to you. No, not at all. Where was this when I was playing Legend of Zelda? <laughs> right? Or Donkey I'll, Kong with Atari. I'll tell you what, I uh I did not so I only recently, because we're getting into the gaming world, so uh, Eric and I, Redcon One, have a, a product called, coming out called War Games, which is a pre-gaming formula. Like this is a pre-workout formula, pre-workout. So it says pre-game, and uh, it's going to be out in the next probably five to six weeks. Actually, five to six point. weeks, wow. and it is by far, without question, the, the most effective, most well-dosed, most well thought-out uh, formula in the world for gaming. And so because we're coming out with this, I was like, well, I need to play a video game again because I haven't played a video game. Uh, well, I, I own a few video games in my house, and you haven't got a chance to see, but they're old games, right? I like the old stuff. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, you know, Mortal Kombat. And even that, I don't really play, right, Eric? I mean, I play the, no, the you play Buck Hunter. I like Buck Hunter. Yeah. I like the ba shooting the basketballs, but realistically, I'm not a video game guy. Uh, and I hadn't played since I was, you know, a teenager. So I'm like, okay, what's the best? I asked Ryan, or Lord of the Dorks. <laughs> I said, uh, Lord of the Dorks, what's the game to get? And so he, he ended up getting me to buy the Xbox and uh, the best one, the biggest hard drive, and then download uh, Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare. And um, it's pretty damn cool, I gotta admit. Like, it's, it's fun, you know? It's not something that I'm addicted to, like these crazy people out there that play it all day long and all night. Quinn, um, I, uh, I will play for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And then, you know, if Asher plays with me, he'll play, he'll play for hours and hours and hours. But I'll play for a few minutes and, and it's fun. And then, uh, and then but I don't play against, I've learned, you don't play against these people that do Twitch. So you don't do, you yeah, do not you made an example. I don't do, no, I don't do multiplayer because when I played multiplayer the first time, uh, I'm so bad at it. And there's people that are so good at it 
that it's like uh, there's no like uh, differential. It'd be like me playing basketball with like you know Michael Jordan. Like we shouldn't play against each other because it's too easy for him, and I'm not good enough to have it be fun for me. So um, there are all these kids out there that literally this is what they do, or people that this is their career. So the story mode though is fun. Yeah, I'm playing. I put difficulty level easy, and I go in and I kill people, and it's awesome. I still get killed all the time, but at least it's fun. That's right. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you just said, it. This is people's career. Yeah. So Jackson plays Fortnite, and he he could play for a full day if you let him. And uh, he actually was in a game once where Ninja was in it, and he I think he got killed by him. And he was like the happiest person in the world because he actually got to play. <laughs> yeah, it's he's probably the most famous Michael gamer. Jordan, yeah. Really? Um, really? Oh yeah. We're, How much money does he make? Oh. He's looking up. Look up. I'm interested. So because, right? You know, Microsoft. Like five bucks or something. He got. Oh yeah, he's got some huge money. His uh, Fortnite deal alone was multi million dollar deal. Did you know that colleges are going to start off, or I'm sure they already are. Um, offering scholarships, not academic scholarships or athletic scholarships, but gaming scholarships. Oh my God, so crazy. He averages minimum 500000 a month with a guarantee of $30 million a year. $30 million. A year. <laughs> yeah. Parents, let your kids go play video games. That's so fucking crazy. That's so crazy. Well, and my mom said I'd never amount to nothing playing video games. Yeah, well, not, up, up, down, down, left, right, BA, select so. yep, I knew that one. That's the games that I know. What game is that? Uh, that's just as a. Street Fighter? Contra. 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 I love Contra. Um, all right, guys, so much. Mark, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been fun to go through all this stuff with you. And of course, we're going to have you back. We need you to come back and tell your whole story, which I think people would be very Everyone Everyone's pictures of you swimming in Saddam's pool. Yeah, we need to see all that stuff. He has that. Johnny laughs, but it's the truth. So uh, we'll definitely have you back in the very near future. Thank you so much for coming on. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you and up next, we have uh, four-time Mr. Olympia, my good friend, Jay Cutler. So we're going to go to commercial break. We'll be right back with Huge himself. I'm John Devine. I'm the owner of Devine Canines, and I'm here to tell you the five ways to help your dog for the 4th of July. Step number one, desensitize them prior. Play firework sounds at a low volume on your stereo. Increase the volume gradually while feeding them. It can take a couple days but by the end of it, they should actually enjoy hearing the sounds of fireworks because they're going to be getting fed. Number two, crate train them prior to make sure they have a safe space. Dogs that are crate trained actually enjoy their crate and feel safe in there. We don't want to be just throwing them in a crate the day of unless it's a last resort. If you do it prior, they'll enjoy their crate and they'll feel safe inside. Number three, train their body and mind consistently and the day of. A fulfilled dog that's getting exercise and mental stimulation is going to be less apt to run away. Number four, just because your dog is good off-leash sometimes doesn't mean they're going to be good off-leash on the 4th of July. Use a leash. Even if you're going outside to potty your dog in your own backyard, use a leash. Number five, proper ID and collar. The only thing that's going to help your dog get reunited with you if they actually do escape is proper identification on their collar. I hope these tips help. Have a happy 4th of July. And if you need more, comment below.
My name is Ben Galloway. And I'm Matt Saracino. We are the Tier Operator Management Team, and we invite you to join the Redcon One family. I joined the Tier Operator Program because I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Being a Tier Operator is phenomenal. You want to keep tearing up. You want to work for, yes, the best company in the fitness industry. Redcon One helped me reach my goal, which at the time I didn't even know was a goal. The products work. Like that's, I mean, it's what it is. And I want to help other people reach their fitness goals using these products. I love that it's like a big family. I really enjoy that we can get together at events like this. And it's like, even though we're thousands of miles apart, it's just like, we all know each other, like we're neighbors. We're not just out here trying to make sales. We're out here trying to change lives. Apply to be a tier operator today. People ask me all the time what I mix Total ISO in. Honestly, I mix it with everything. Water, egg whites. What the f***, Jay? Capone, Daisy. Jay, seriously? Film. All right, welcome back, guys. You saw the commercial there for uh, Jay Cutler's Cutler Nutrition. And if you get a chance, make sure you go to the website, check out Color Nutrition. It has a lot of great products. And without further ado, let me welcome to the show uh, my good friend, four-time Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler. Jay, welcome, buddy. Hey, guys. Hey, buddy. Thank you, on, for, Jay. thank you for spending the night with us. We appreciate it. Yeah. And Always good to see you guys. I like that, Eduardo. Eduardo's in the background with his shirt off. It's weird. I know he was flexing when we were setting up for the show before you guys showed up. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that, Jay. I apologize. <laughs> Jay's gonna send a bill. <laughs> Pain and suffering. Yeah, I'm telling you. So Jay, we were just talking about your nutritional supplement company. Tell us how mm -hmm. that's going and how COVID nineteen has affected or not affected the uh, the brand. Uh, you know what? I, I I have to give a lot of thanks to you guys because you guys have been a huge supporter of uh, of my company since I you know, started the direct to consumer business. And fortunately for me, I mean, the, we've done very, very well. I know we communicated a few times uh, during the, during the times and, you know, you, uh, you did mention, uh, you know, how, how much of a good play that was for me. Um, you know, I'm about 50, I'm about 15 months in now. And, uh, you know, I've seen growth every month, uh, even during the COVID times and their response has been phenomenal. And, 
I'm enjoying it, which is great. And I'm enjoying being home and, you know, I'm enjoying uh, dealing with the day to days without being on the road weekend after weekend. And, you know, it's given me kind of a, a refresher for the, for the business, to be honest. Yeah, that's cool. I remember, I actually remember us, I don't know, were, were we at the Arnold? I don't remember if we were doing cardio. I feel like it must've been at the Arnold. We're talking about direct to consumer model and, and how well uh, that had worked, obviously for Redcon and, and my past business mm -hmm. and, and saying, we were talking about how that should be, I thought anyway, that it should be your primary focus. And you obviously were already thinking the same thing. And I'm glad for you that that's what's been going on because uh, otherwise, like for us, about 50% of our revenue is direct to consumer and the rest isn't. The 50% mm -hmm. with direct to consumer has uh, grown for sure because the, the direct to consumer, uh, the, the non direct to consumer, the wholesale part of the business basically fell off almost 100% of that business fell off uh, initially and has been slowly, not slowly, it's been pretty rapidly it's been coming back. back but yeah. then obviously it's, there's still the question mark if stuff gets shut down again, does it then come down? You know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, it puts, it definitely puts a lot of the balls into somebody else's court, you know, where, where you don't know. Um, you don't have as much control over not only the the brand and everything, but the products, inventory, what's going to happen. I mean, for us, we just went through a bankruptcy at, a, at a GNC, right? So GNC declared bankruptcy. They mm -hmm. It's all public, so it's not, I'm not saying anything out of school or whatever. They owe us 1.4 million bucks. Uh, almost certainly we'll get none or very, very little of the money back. So like that's a shitty position to be in. And for a lot of people during these times, that would crush them. You know, there'd be no business left after that. And for you, you were smart uh, by doing it the way you've done it so that you've been able to scale pretty rapidly, but over time and not be relying on somebody else to move your products. Yeah. And you know what, with me, you know, I was one of these guys that started with the, with the e-commerce super early. I mean, I started my website in 2000 and I was selling t-shirts and, you know, videos and all those things out of my garage when I was competing as a professional bodybuilder. So I developed a fan base and, and, you know, through the media channels when Snapchat and Instagram became famous and, you know, now with, you know, the social media uh, outlets like the stories um, and even when Facebook really started to be able to be monetized and be more visible. I mean, I was able to pack and ship orders. I was doing things on a personal level. So I developed such a strong relationship with people that I think a lot of uh, and, and of course, my travel schedule is crazy. I think a lot of people reacted to me a little differently than some of the other guys. And that did give me a great uh, foot up to really kind of start the company and really expand rather quickly. And I did watch what your model was. We've had many conversations about this and, you know, running the Facebook ads and, and really getting more visibility uh, along with the organic reach has been absolutely amazing. So uh, I'm excited and, you know, I, I look forward to, you know, gathering more of a customer base. That's my whole point is really the customer acquisition at this point. Um, and, you know, I have goals. I have goals, but I've seemed to kind of break what my goals were so far. So that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, you're never satisfied. You know how it works. No, no, you never are. You can't you can't be. It's not in it's not in I mean, it's not in mine and yours and Eric's nature to be satisfied. I think the you want you. I always tell people like I'm grateful, but I'm not. I'm not satisfied, and that uh, I think that the the sign of a winner, right, is to not be satisfied. Because if you're satisfied, it means you're not driven anymore. And, uh, and I do know, and I'm sure you do, Jay. Uh, know people that have become that have very wealthy and become very successful that for whatever reason they do lose that drive, and they're like, well, I'm done. And, that, and I know f from all of our conversations that that both you and I and Eric too it, uh, would never, it doesn't matter. I could have a hundred billion. I could be $172 billion just like Jeff Bezos. 
and I won't be like, well, that's it. I don't need to do anything else. I'm just going to hang out. It's just not in my, in my DNA to do that. Well, cause what gets you there is always in the, it's always yeah, driving you. It doesn't journey, stop. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the funny thing. Even on my competitive side, if you asked me the best years of bodybuilding, it was really the climb up and a lot of the decisions that weren't necessarily in my favor that made me as great as I could possibly be. And I remember those times as being, you know, those were the times that I was probably most motivated and hungry. And I actually look back now and be able to reflect back and say that was the enjoyment of my career was really during those times rather than being on top. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how you say that. It's like for me, you know, um, when when because Eric was with me at my past company for a very short period, a week, a week, <laughs> yeah, a week. And uh, and at that point with that company, you know, it started to I'd started to get comfortable, right? And uh, and being comfortable, like where I don't feel like, you know, there's constantly something to push for and there's drama or whatever that it felt like less meaningful. And then when we started Redcon One. It was such so much in so much drama and so much um, pressure that uh, it felt very important and very meaningful. And there were, I was so driven and we've been able to, whether by design or by circumstance, we've been able to continue to have things happen that where it feels like there's incredible pressure, even though we are doing much, much better than we had done and I had done in the past. Um, it's I think that is important to always feel like that. I think that when you feel like you're the king because you were the king for years, right? It's very mm -hmm. tough to be motivated to just stay the king. You're not even striving for anything. You're just trying to stay the same. It's tough to want to stay the same. Yeah, I mean, this year has been a little awkward, to be honest. I mean, I'm down, you know, with with my appearance schedules and my show promotions and, you know, a lot of that that face-to-face -face interaction. It has affected me to a certain extent. And I, in the beginning, when we kicked off like, all the quarantine, I was on media and I was like, man, positivity and let's let's all do that work together. And then it got like, okay, this is longer than two weeks. Yeah. Uh, it, it just continued. And I said, is there ever an end to this thing? And then finally things start to open. And now uh, even listen to what you guys were talking about earlier, like we're facing a fallback, right? I'm, I'm in Vegas is closed. It's not really what it was. Um, although things are open, it's, it's, I think this weekend may unfortunately be the only weekend that it starts to open. And then everyone's going to flock from to Vegas for the 4th of July. And I, I, I mean, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but you're seeing a lot of uh, kind of relapse of everything. And that's, that's unfortunate. So we have to, we have to learn to live in a little bit. I'm wearing a mask everywhere I go. Uh, you're not allowed to go in any place without a mask, which is a little awkward. And, uh, you know, I've never had to deal with that in my life, uh, but I, I've made the adjustments and I mean, we got to stay as positive as we can. Right. Yeah. I mean, what other choice, what other, what other choice do you have? I mean, it's, uh, I've been, uh, I think Eric too, but I, me even more than Eric, I live such an insular life. You know, I, I get up, I, I do cardio outside I don't wear a mask, you know, even though I guess I'm supposed to, I don't wear a mask when I do cardio. Yeah, it, I, I just don't. Uh, and then I go from there to work, from work to the gym that we own, you know, and then from, from there back home. And I really don't do much anything else. So for me, it's whenever I do our, our M encounter, like we went to, out to eat yeah, and they want you to, so we, the Uber pulls up, we go out to eat and uh, it was a business dinner and Eric and I, his wife, my wife and some other people. And so we, we, we get in the Uber and the guy's like, you have to wear a mask in the Uber. Mm -hmm. so I'm like, so do I want to be like, do I want to make this difficult to be like, no, man, it just didn't make it. I'm not going to make a scene over it. Although if Daryl wasn't there, I might've been like, just go then. No, you know, but, but uh, yeah. Cause I could walk. So, but anyway, I, I put the mask on and then you get to the, you get out of the Uber, I take it off and you're walking up and they're like, Oh, you have to, 
wear a mask to sit at your table. It's like, dude, seriously? And then yeah. you get to the table, you take it off. And then if you go to the bathroom, you have to put the mask back on to go to the bathroom. And then when you sit back, to, it, it, it's uh, that was uh, kind of shocking to me uh, because I had not experienced really experienced. I've never, I don't, I haven't been to a grocery store in ugh, a year. I haven't, uh, I haven't been to really anything, you know, and for so long that I haven't had a chance to experience any, uh, any of that to that level, even like, you know, you know, driving, I just drive here and home. So I'm not experiencing like gas stations or anything. So it's been, it's been very, that was very visceral. I'm like, holy shit. Like, well, I'm used to it. I mean, cause I could do a lot of more than grocery me, yeah. shopping and stuff, but you know, and then a lot of times I have Jackson with me. So I'm like, okay, put your mask on. And I don't like it at all. Um, but yeah, dinner the other night was a little eye opening because it was, it was, it was because going out to dinner is a little different, right? Yeah. Because I look at more like grocery shopping is, okay, I have to do it, you know, we're going out there. But this was something we went out for, it was a business meeting, but it was kind of like dual date night. Right. It's supposed to be pleasurable. And then you're walking up, you got a mask on. Like you say, it's, it doesn't make sense either because I got to wear it to the table. But when I sit down, as soon as I sit down, it's arbitrary. Well, it's kinda, you know, it's the same thing, right? Jay, with the gym. We're like, I get it. I understand. But ultimately, like, don't go to the gym if you're that worried. Don't go to the out mm -hmm. to dinner. No, I, I, if I was that worried, my mom, is almost 70 years old. She has pre-diabetes. She's had, uh, this year, she had pneumonia. Like, she's not going anywhere. She doesn't go anywhere. It's, it sucks for her. You know, it sucks to not see the grandkids and stuff. But, like, that's, she shouldn't. She shouldn't go out to eat, and she doesn't. So she's not worried about what people are doing at the gym because she's not going to the damn gym, you know? So yeah. uh, it's, it's definitely an interesting situation. Yeah, I'm trying to get home to see my dad. He just turned 91 in May. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm... Even more, he like you used to ask always about my business and how it was going, and you know it's uh it's one of those things like yearly I go back and you know I promote the shows in Massachusetts which are on hold right now, and so I've been a minute since I've been back home and I'm considering a trip in the next couple of weeks so hopefully I can get out there and see him and he was a huge influence impact on my life um, early on like he forced me to get up and work early and after school and weekends my brother's concrete business and that really gave me the head for what it made me into bodybuilding. And I didn't realize how important it was until later in my life. You realize things as older and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to heading past and to my roots. Yeah. Um, that'll, that'll definitely be good. Obviously, you know, right. All this stuff kind of puts that in focus, you know, uh, what, what's important. And, uh, obviously your uh, family is number one and, you know, mm -hmm. I know you usually go there anyway for the shows. So it's like now you, you need to find a reason to get there. Otherwise you, you might not recently. Right, or in the near future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back for sure, though. That's good. Um, Jay, you mentioned your 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 parents and your dad and your upbringing. You know, uh, how much do you feel like? So, well, before I even ask the question, bodybuilders as a whole, and this is definitely not every single one of them, but bodybuilders as a whole are generally sort of lazy, right? And not lazy yeah. with their workouts necessarily or their meals, but the rest of their lives, it's kind of like bodybuilding is number one. They're the priority. And they don't think about finances or you know saving money or their future or, or their health or quite a lot of anything else. Um, but you were very different uh, right from the start when you were uh, uh, in your early, early 20s, right? You were doing this selling VHS uh, cassettes, having a website, you know, uh, basically creating a business for yourself. And this was not a thing that anybody else was doing at the time. I mean, just as a, you don't, you obviously don't remember this. I've told you this before, but when I went to the Olympia, in uh, 1999, I went to Olympia and I got, I paid you $5 to take a Polaroid picture with me and sign the Polaroid picture. And, uh, and I, and at the time, uh, it struck me that you're the only one there doing that. And, 
you were already thinking about business. Uh, I was 19 years old. You were what, probably 22 or something like that. And you were already thinking about business. You were developing business. Maybe you're a little older. You're creating a, you're creating a, a brand for, for the Jay Cutler brand mm -hmm. at a very young age. How much do you think that had to do with your dad? And like, what, what was your thought process then? Uh, my dad was supportive, to be honest. And I was the youngest of seven. So it didn't, you know, it wasn't that my dad was supportive, meaning like he helped me get finance to go to the shows. He helped pay for my college education. And I started weight training bit then. He didn't really understand the business, but I'd have to say the biggest influence on that would be Chris Aceto because I started training under the tutelage of Aceto when I was a, like 18 and a half. So probably about six months into training, I linked up with Chris Aceto and, you know, he already had kind of a, a little savvy business going on with the, with the merchandising, his books and cookbooks and, and his weekend camps. And I think he had kind of learned through the muscle camps and that was probably before he, you started following it too. They used to have these muscle camps in California. And I think that gave me a little insight. And, you know, he kind of influenced me uh, to look at the career as like, okay, this is, this has financial reward. It's not just going up there and, and posing and winning titles. And in the beginning, I'll be honest with both you guys, which I don't, I haven't really said in a lot of uh, interviews. I mean, we all have dreams of what we want to do, right? I never thought I was going to be good. Like I'd never thought I would be uh, to the level where I could be close to a Dorian Yates or like a Lee Haney at the time or rich, even rich Gaspari who was placing second. Like those are the guys I looked at in the book. Sean Ray was, you know, he was an influence on me because I saw him with Lamborghinis and Ferraris and motorcycles and living in California saying, man, those guys have the life. And that's what gave me the motivation to do all these things. But it was Chris behind me to say, Hey, you know what? You can sell eight by tens and you can sell a t-shirt and, you know, you just start, I started a mail order, just writing people hand letters uh, or typing letters. And then eventually the internet started, you know, dial up in 98. Um, and then of course I started jcutler.com in 2000. And I started just merchandising everything and the DVD sales were just, ab ab um, it was just never ending with the DVDs. I did one every year. Um, and then my garage became my workshop. I started selling t-shirts out of my garage and I developed, you know, the athletics brand, the Swole Monkey brand, all that stuff. And that just rolled into kind of what it is today. What you said you weren't confident that, you know, you would be successful in bodybuilding. And then, you know, come 2001, you pushed what everyone thought was the unbeatable person to, you know, almost, a, you know, where you beat them. So what what was the moment in your career where you realized, like, no, I'm, I'm meant to do this. I'm meant to be the champion. I'm meant to be on the stage. I knew I could compete, but I didn't think ever, I didn't have the Olympia even in my mind as, okay, this is something for my future being Mr. Olympia until I play second to Ronnie Coleman. I got the chance to stand next to him. I had a very strong showing. I didn't win. Uh, unfortunately, I could have really changed my career uh, moving forward. But I, I, I listen, I had a great career. I, I don't ever want to say I should have, could have, or would have, or you know, that, that second place finish put me on the map. Uh, I was competing against a guy that was my idol and, uh, and, you know, right there, I knew, okay, I can win this contest. And pretty much from then on, that's all I was obsessed with was winning the Mr. Olympia. Uh, but it didn't stop there. You, as you guys know, that followed me during those times, because Aaron, you were a fan of it. And I know Eric, you were in the business. Like my work ethic was just, I would just work and I created the branding and I just 
focused on the training for those, you know, four months before the Olympia. But I would work. I would travel to the guest appearance. I was merchandised. I did everything you could possibly do to financially reward myself. And I was getting paid big contracts then. I think I had 14 paid endorsements at one point in my career. And I still continued to, to do it. So, Aaron, what you said, doesn't matter how much money or, or notoriety you have. You always strive to have more. It's just something down inside of you that makes you drive further. Yeah. yeah and I don't even necessarily think it's probably the money. It's more the you know, the money comes with, you know, because you have a goal, like you said, and you always want to keep pushing it and pushing it. And just by proxy, the money comes with it. But like you say, you're just, you know, you have an ability and you're always just trying to, you know, really challenge yourself and push yourself. Jay, yeah. Jay, and I, yeah, go ahead. Ronnie, when you were competing, did you, did you like Ronnie? Like in 2001, were you like, that's my buddy? Or are you like, you know, fuck this guy? You know, like, <laughs> w- w- was it more one or the other? Um... Like Ronnie time. Ronnie called me when I won the NOC in 2000, the year 2000, my first professional win. So that was the New York Pro. That Now it's now the New York Pro. It was Night of Champions then. Uh, he was super proud to say, hey, you won the show after prejudging. And, I, and, of course, that's when we didn't really know what the results were, the finals I won. Um, and then, you know, sooner or later, I was standing next to him in 01 in a very controversial thing. And, and he was the enemy a little bit. I mean, I respected him, but at the same time I wanted to win. Uh, but we weren't, Ronnie's not a man of many words, as you know, I mean, he says, he has his few, his few words that he says, you know, consistently. Uh, but when you're at the Olympia backstage, it's all business. I mean, at the time that was a lot of money on the line. Right. And I think it was only a hundred grand back then. Uh, Crazy. It's at 400 now. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't looking at the money. It was more like, okay, I need to beat this guy. This is my idol. This is this is the best of the best. And I never even realized how much money I ever won until after the show. And the check would show up. And I'm like, damn, I won that money too? I never thought about, like, I never trained for, oh, I need to win this or that. Um, I did train to win those hum tr- Hummer trucks at the Arnold, to be honest. But that was about the only prize I ever chased um, that was a material thing or a financial reward. Yeah. That's cool. Cool to hear. And yeah, you're right. Ronnie's not a big talker. I mean, I've probably said I've known him for <laughs> I don't even know well over a decade. And uh, traveled Eric. Eric I've traveled tra- with him for years. Traveled the world with Ronnie as uh, helping him out, being with him. And he's just not a guy who really like, you know. Obviously, he's got friends, and we know a few. I know a few of his friends, like Gus, and obviously Brandon, yeah. and a few other. But like, I have been Lord. around him. Yeah, and I've I've been around him, and I've never uh, really. We never had like a, a serious conversation ever. Uh, and I mean, a few words here and there. I told the story, was it last week about him hitting on Darielle? Yeah, I think so. Did I tell you that? You heard that story, Jay? Have I told that one? No. <laughs> uh, I'll tell it again because it's worth telling it just to you. So we're at Ronnie's uh, Christmas party uh, when Ronnie Coleman Signature Series, uh, Brendan mm-hmm. Ahern invited me. And uh, it was in uh, 2012 or 13, 14, something Somewhere like that. that time, in that yeah. range. And uh, and so I walked in and uh, said hi to everybody and and Brendan say hi. I said Ronnie. Ronnie's like, hey, Aaron, how are you doing? And I was like, Ronnie, I want you to meet my wife, Darielle. We had just gotten married, so it must have been 2013. You better remember that. Yeah. So we, no, we were married in 2012, <laughs> but 2012 we were married. But it was recent. It was recent. And uh, and I introduced her, and she goes, oh, "Nice to meet you." And and we, me and Ronnie, sat down at the bar and we ordered drinks. And Ronnie turned around with with me sitting next, and he goes, "Ooh." Ooh, you see that girl in a red dress? Ooh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Ronnie, that, that's my wife. 
And he's like, oh, shit, Aaron, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like I just introduced her to you like two seconds ago. I hope you forgot. Yeah, and he, he's like, oh, shit, okay, okay. Like, literally, like, she came up, I introduced him, we sat down, and he turned around, I was like, damn! <laughs> for you, right? He's so, he's so harmless. He's such a solid guy, and I mean, I... I cherish those moments a lot more now. Let's put it that way. So did I Did I not like him? No. Did I want to beat him? Absolutely. Was I very uh, – did I communicate with him? No, hell no, not when we were backstage. But when we traveled off season, we were very friendly, and he knew what it was. I mean, he was very confident he was never going to lose to me, um, and I was confident I was going to beat him. It just took a little longer than what I expected it was to he, be. Was he shocked um, when you did beat him? Was mm -hmm. he like blown away? Yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, did you feel Did yeah. you feel bad for him a little bit when he beat? I him? felt terrible. I felt terrible, so it kind of ruined my moment, to be honest, uh, because he was whispering, uh, voicing to me, and I just thought you just play that clip. Um, he was like, "You beat me, you beat me," and I was, I didn't know what to do. You know, I'm ready to set my first Mr. Olympia uh, title, and he's like, you know, I kind of was like, okay, how is he going to react, right? Um, I was used to Ronnie falling on the floor every year. He was the guy that like fell on the stage and. He never said like he never got up and hugged me and said, "Oh, congratulations on second. He would just lay there, and then I'd be like, "Okay, I'm going to walk off the stage now, right?" Uh, so that's what it was like. Wow, I can imagine. I can imagine you're an empathetic guy, and you know, like mm -hmm. his whole reality is tied into this. I mean, like everything about him was that. So for you know, had to be weird, right? Had to be weird. Um, so Jay, one thing people don't know about you is that you're weren't just a bodybuilder, uh, the best bodybuilder. You weren't just, uh, you don't just own a nutrition company. You've been in a lot of different businesses. Tell people about other businesses they may not know about or, or that you've been a part of, even if you're not now, but have been a part of in the past. Um, you know, besides all the endorsement things and the fitness side, I mean, I moved to Las Vegas for real estate. I got heavily involved in real estate after 9-11. That was a lot of Chris Aceto's influence also, but it was also my family background. So I bought, I was kind of a home flipper here. I bought seven homes in 2003 when I won a bunch of shows and I invested the money. I, I moved over into commercial real estate, um, got involved over the years with more of investment groups, um, doing bigger project golf course uh, projects. And, and uh, I did not, this past year is the only time I really didn't get into anything new, uh, which, you know, came to me. I always get deals that come to me. Um, and I kind of sat out to kind of see what this year was going to bring. And with the new company and everything else, I really wanted to put a lot of more effort into that. Uh, though while I still am involved in the real estate market, um, I'm excited, you know, as an investor to look at what's coming up, especially in the commercial side, as I kind of, you know, transpired into that. Um, I got into some cultivation here with, uh, cannabis. I do some stuff with that. I do medical liens. Uh, I'm still involved with some insurance things. Uh, but I do all sorts of different, uh, I did some ammo manufacturing for a while. That's kind of cool. That goes along with Redcon. I have a, a bliss machine that cuts and cleans ammo. So uh, there's a lot of different ventures that I kind of dabble in a little bit. Um, although right now, uh, my main focus is still on the fitness side. Well, I mean, it's a good year to take take some time off and, <laughs> and focus on what you already have versus looking at new ventures. That being said, you brought up about commercial uh, real estate. Things are obviously changing in a major way right now. And while the economy is doing terrible, the stock market is doing fantastic. And we've had a V-shaped recovery, which mm -hmm. I mean, Eric, I've talked about plenty of times. I've gotten very interested in the stock market based on 
thinking that things were going to be one way only to see that things are not and that the that's irrational or illogical and the fact that things are not going good but the market is doing great that being said all that said uh things aren't great and uh the economy is not great unemployment is not great and there's got to be opportunities coming in the real estate market because there are people that aren't going to be able to pay their mortgages right yeah, and I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of the commercial things, especially like you watch New York City, right? And a lot of the WeWorks and the tech, you know, younger tech generation, um, those those rents are, are not going to be met. You know, they're not going to they're not going to be able to fill those spaces. People are leaving the places that are uh, that have a lot of the virus cases. And, and you know, you're going to start to see this slump. I mean, it, it just can't sustain. So, uh you know, as we see right now, everything's kind of being funded and, and there's been that extra security. But even even today, I think, you know, the eviction, the evictions now can happen. Um, so you're going to start seeing. But the problem is, is the banks don't want to take on that debt. You know, if they, they you know, if they take a take a business over, I mean, what are they going to do with it? You know, it's, it's going to become a problematic thing. And, you know, I watch the market somewhat. I do have a great financial advisor. Uh, that really kind of keeps me in tune with everything. And yes, I, I've invested in some some different stocks this year that I might not have as deeply other than my retirement, uh, which I've, you know, I've done over the years since day one. I have a big retirement. And, uh, you know, that's obviously protected because my retirement isn't close. Um, and as we know, the market's always going to go up, but we're going to see a downswing, I think. Um, you know, it's just kind of being held up right now. And we're just going to kind of ride it out. And uh, I don't have fear of that. Um, I'm being kind of savvy with everything I do and, and uh, living on certain restrictions. So we'll just have to take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for you, Jay, looking at, uh, so you've been through, I guess, the big difference between me and you in terms of investments and, and probably a lot of people watching is that you've been through significant downturns where you were involved in the market, you're involved in real estate. So you've seen what, what life's like. And I think one of the big things that we're seeing right now, and while there's been this uh, irrational exuberance in the market is there's all these Robin Hood investors or these um, mm -hmm. millennial investors, young people that have never been through any kind of downturn. And they've only seen it go like this, right? Up and to the right. They've never had a downturn before and they don't realize that there could be one. How does, how does that affect you? Because you, you went through 2008, 2009, and you were involved in the real estate market. I had real estate. I had a lot of real estate. Um, and fortunately for me, I was into more land by that point, you know, because I had the capital to do so. Uh, so I was protected, but I, I had one, you know, one pretty significant deal that turned upside down. Um, it was crazy because during that time, that was probably some of the biggest financial years because a supplement market exploded during that time. And, and as you guys know, I was under contract with one of the biggest uh, companies, Muscle Tech at the time. I think that was one of their bigger years. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I learned, you know, I'm, I'm a very kind of a laid back person anyway. Uh, and I see these people that post their things about, you know, they like to go on social media and say, hey, I'm, you know, do this and do that. Um, people don't know what it's like. I mean, there's wealth and there's there's rich people. I mean, there's a huge difference, right? So your portfolio has to be very, very advanced in order to survive times that are in front of us. And I'm not someone that that really jumps on something just because it, it's kind of a trend. Um, I watch, you know, what I put my money into to see how much uh, cash is that that company has or whatever. Um, so I'm kind of I'm strategic in that sense, um, but I'm very uh, I'm very aware and. I don't take chances, especially at my age. I mean, you're a little younger than me, um, but definitely, you know, I, I focus on what things are 
you know, that really I understand. And there's a lot of things I don't understand and I don't know everything. So I kind of stay in my lane and do what I do and, and listen to the right, uh, the right judgment by those people around me. And I, I luckily have a great team, which I, I give a lot of thanks to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely went a different direction <laughs> and tried to try to become an expert on stuff that I'm not an expert on. And you're more uh, risk tolerant. Yeah. I'm extremely risk tolerant. Yes. Which is a nice way to say that I'm willing to roll the dice. And so I've definitely been trying to become an expert on the market and, and a lot of other things that are related and surrounding that. And uh, it, it hasn't proven to be a financially successful venture so far. So not that it, every, I'm, I'm trying to apply logic and reason and uh, data to something that maybe you can't. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, and it's, it hasn't, not that it's been extremely costly. I just haven't been right. Uh, which mm -hmm. is lucky, uh, especially, you know, it's the worst for me when like, I know I should be right and I know I am right, but I'm wrong. So it's like, you know, when you quantify all the data, you take a look at everything, you, you, you know that you have the information yet it's still not right. Uh, and I, and I guess that's the thing is that people always say you can't time the market, right. Or you can't, you, uh, you can't put ra rational thought against the market because it's not, it's just not a rational thing. So I've come to, to learn that, but Jay, you've, you've, I've always thought, and this is the, uh, this is the truth is that you've been in terms of bodybuilding, you've been kind of the golden boy and you've had tremendous successes and, and a career of a lot of success. What is the biggest failure you've had in terms of business? Like, what do you look back on and go, damn, I wish I wouldn't have done that. It's a tough question, Aaron. I mean, uh, you know, I feel I made a lot of, a lot of positive moves. Um, you know, and I, I don't know what failure is, you know, I won the Mr. Olympia it took me a lot longer. Uh, I developed, you know, a, a great brand out of that. And, you know, I'm looking back now after staying home at some point and saying, okay, what could I have done differently? And definitely, you know, I think I've mentioned to this before, like I was on the road nonstop and I, I missed a lot of years that I could have been focusing on other things. And, and right now we're living in a, in a kind of a, you know, in a times where the social media thing is, is kind of taking over the face, the FaceTime with, with the fans. And I'm learning now, like, okay, this is, this is, this works, right? Um, not to say that I, I don't know what the expos are going to bring us. I, I really don't know if I'm going to be that guy standing at every single trade event in the future. Um, cause I'm getting older too. Um, but I don't, I can't really pinpoint a lot of failures. I mean, I don't think I've changed. I would change a lot of things. I, I'm, I'm very happy with, with what's been done. I mean, I would have loved to get into, to TV or, or film. Unfortunately, it just, you know, my body type wasn't the type to really, you know, be active in those kind of roles. I mean, I'm more stocky and shorter and, uh, you know, that's, that doesn't really fit what it is, but, uh, and I also wish that management was a little better. Like they took on, you know, people like myself. And unfortunately we're in a business where the eyes view us, uh, differently because of what it takes to look like us to be competitive and, uh, you know, stepping on the outside, I'm definitely more comfortable who I am today than I was 10 years ago. Uh, winning my last Mr. Olympia. Yeah. So then that being said about management and your build, don't you think you should have just stayed the route of your rapping career? Yeah, the Jay Beats by Jay. You know, that was funny. I, I, I really got kind of talked into that thing. And, and uh, Cause I got at the time, I mean, question as it, well. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. The Beats by Jay 
it was a deal that I said, listen, this thing is not going to sell. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put the money up or anything. So I didn't lose anything in that. Someone else put the money up and I said, okay, when we, when we sell enough to get your money back, uh, you know, then I'll make the profits after that. And, and basically it made enough to pay the guy back. And I still made some profits and every day someone hits me about the beats by Jay cause they see it in my office and they want a copy I, of it. I, I personally, I personally <laughs> uh, I wish that I love the beats by Jay and they're all gone off the internet now. <laughs> yeah. So, and also too, I think, so how know, do we, before we get to that, how do we get beats by Jay? Where's the way to do it? I have, I have one copy, bro. It's sitting on my desk. Can you, can you make it digital? And we can <laughs> again? I mean, come on. If the fans ask for it enough, you know, we'll bring it back. <laughs> we will make it a soundtrack on our website. So I think you actually have the billion dollar product that you just never got behind. And this could be the cure to COVID if worn properly are the hater blockers. Thank yes. you. Yes. Come back. <laughs> you, you guys want to laugh? This is another, this is another thing that I never paid a penny for. You know who gave me these? You're going to laugh. Don't tell me Chris Aceto. No. Manager Matt gave these to me. Oh, Manager Matt. Now so Manager Matt was in the rap game. I don't know if you guys know his background. He was managing like all these rappers. Yeah. And at the time he had these things, these sunglasses, they called hater blockers. And he said, you know what? You could sell these. And I was doing the e-commerce at the time. And I put them on the site and I sold them out. <laughs> I sold them out. See, you just got to make a bigger one that has a mask on it and COVID's over. Yeah. So, so talk to manager Matt about that. Ask him where he got the hater blockers from. Because I could see on the white part there, I could see Redcon, no problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lady killers, Corona killers. <laughs> so, uh, oh, Eduardo, Eduardo must love those. Eduardo, we oh, yeah, got to get him those. Got got him off eBay. <laughs> right no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things, uh, Jay, that I think is awesome about you is uh, one of many things is that you uh, you are um, one of the rare people in this industry who does things for good reasons. There's no uh, you don't have ulterior motives and not that nobody does. Certainly, there are other people out there in our industry that do. But most people have an ulterior motive. So when they go help uh, a aspiring young bodybuilder you know, posing, they have some reason they want to do it. They want to be in the video with him. They want to get the views or whatever. Uh, and that's very different from you. You know, you don't think about those things. You're doing it for the right reasons. What do you think that, what do you think the reason is for that? Or what's, what goes on with you that you think these other people in our industry seem to be missing? It's definitely my upbringing. And man, I remember thinking when I was a kid, like, man, if I could ever become famous and, you know, and in, in whatever I do, like, I'm always going to try to stay as humble as possible. My mom always says that about me. Like, she's like, you know what I love most? You know, the success you've had and you're still the same Jason. She calls me Jason. Rare people, only a few people call me my real name. So uh, I just knew that, like, I enjoyed the success, but I was so driven and I was always curious to learn and, like, pick people's brains that I became – I was a little introverted, but at the same time, when I got to know someone, I really like, I liked the knowledge that this person could, could put on me. So I like to surround myself with people that if I'm not in, in a field like, you know, and, and I want to learn something, I mean, there's always some advantages of, of reaching out to people and, and learning from them. But at the same time, I'm just curious about that. And, and I, I just want to stay humble and, and help people. And, 
you know, that's why I continue now um, not to win titles. Uh, there's really a lot of no financial reward for a lot of the moves that I make. Uh, but I just get the enjoyment that the looks on people's faces or the, the messages I get that it, it helps people that much. And I never imagined me being as selfish as I was to go on the Olympia stage and win titles would really spill off on a guy that was trying to lose 150 pounds, was overweight and struggled, or a guy that didn't have the confidence, you know, he was bullied. You know, I ran into a guy in the gym yesterday and he said, you know, I was bullied my whole life and I followed your videos. And I, I still sometimes have a hard time grasping how I affect people. Uh, but that that's really what makes my job extra special. And I say my job and I say a career, but it's a privilege to do what I did. It's really, it's truly a privilege to be able to be competitive and be able to train like I do and still do it at 46 uh, every day of still the favorite part of my day. I'm going to get off this call tonight and I'm going to go hit the gym and work out because I had a crazy day. And that's going to help me a lot mentally, but it's also going to keep me in physical shape too. Yeah. So you mentioned, you mentioned being uh, introverted. So when I met you, uh, or maybe even, I don't even know if, if we had even met yet, but I had, I was at the time I was involved or being in, becoming involved in the industry, the fitness and bodybuilding industry. And uh, I remember there was a, a time that you got on stage to speak at some some kind of expo or whatever. And I was like, yeah, Jay's like, he's like getting better at this, right? Because before mm -hmm. that, I felt like you were very monotone. You didn't look comfortable up there. It was like, you're doing it because you had to. And uh, and you're also like doing it and seeming that just as me watching you, you looked, you seem like you're uncomfortable. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started noticing that you're getting better and better at it, where now you get on stage and, and you, you know, you look like you've been doing it your whole life and, and you're meant to do it, you know? So when did you, when did your lifestyle change from this kind of monastic monk, you know, lifestyle to uh, Jay, the entertainer who can get on stage in front of people and, and make people laugh and be comfortable? Well, you winning that Olympia was a huge uh, positive for my, for my confidence levels. Uh, I start, you know, you start hearing over and over, you know, you influenced me this way or that way. And, you know, then you have a track record of successes and losses. Um, and, you know, you fall down, you stand up and, you know, sometimes you go higher than ever. And I, I think like my career, I've gone higher than most guys ever could imagine. And it's funny when I listen to people talk about, you know, my career in bodybuilding, they kind of look at, well, man, I want to have a career like Jay's. And that's, that's very humbling for me uh, because I remember the hardships and people only see the good things because the magazines only displayed that and the videos and we don't put the bad things on social media. Right. I mean, we talk about a lot of the great successes and, and uh, I was very uncomfortable on stage. I remember guest posing the first time early on. And I remember being so nervous backstage being like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? What poses am I going to hit? Should I hit back shots of the crowd? Are the crowd going to think I'm big or not? And then eventually you realize, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm who I am. And then eventually the speaking seminars, like you have more to talk about and kind of you make the adjustment on what you, the fans or the viewers are kind of watching and, and listening and their reactions and sometimes like making jokes. Now I understand why Arnold made a lot more jokes because I'm sure he was a little uncomfortable with his accent and also, you know, being muscular and people not really adapting that too well from the beginning you know, he became kind of a jokester. And I mean, even the conversations I've had with Arnold, he's kind of, kind of jokes more than he talks real serious. Um, he's very sarcastic. So I think I kind of played into that a little bit. Um, and I, I know when I walk in a room, Aaron, I walk over to a person. If I sense any kind of uncomfortable atmosphere, I walk over and I make sure that I make people realize, hey, 
I'm just a normal guy. Uh, and I'm here to make, you know, make something positive out of this, this moment. And that's what I do. Even backstage, you can ask all the guys that ask Brandon Curry and Sean Roden, all these guys, their first Olympias. I was the guy that went over and said, man, you're the rookie. Congratulations for making it. Let's get up there and do it. You know? So that's what I do. Um, that's what I continue to do. And I'll do to the end of time, uh, being who I am. And, uh, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. That's awesome. That's uh, you're a good guy. I mean, that, that, that says it all right there that backstage at the Olympia, when it's all business, you're going up and greeting the new guys saying, welcome, welcome to the big show and all that. And I'm sure that, that, uh, that has probably changed a lot of those guys' lives and, uh, the outlook that they feel being backstage at Olympia, that nervousness that you felt the first time you've got to really allay a lot of those kind of concerns because the, the, the champ came by and said, hi and good luck, you know, Versus like, I'm going to, you know, like Arnold uh, trying to fuck with people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we just watched Pumping Iron here as a movie night for the month for everybody here at the office adoption. We know 20 or so people came and watched Pumping Iron for the first time. And uh, they're all very struck by the fact that he was, you know, basically messing with people and like giving bad advices and stuff. And and uh, it's it's cool to see as funny as that is right. Entertaining as it is like that's a very different kind of atmosphere. And I think. For me, anyway, uh, I think that uh, the way that you handle yourself, um, you know, people always said so. I remember backstage, I think it was just a picture of it a moment ago. Jay backstage with Arnold one year wore the blue suit. And, uh, and this is when I started working for Palumbo. And I'm like, this guy, this guy is the president of bodybuilding right here. Uh, that may have been the blue suit right there. I don't know. That may have been a more recent year, but Johnny's putting it up. But uh, I don't know if that was the year or if that was, a, uh, was that old Jay? How old was that one? I think that was when I, we, one of the anniversaries for the Arnold Classic, uh, maybe, I don't know how many years that is. Yeah, it can't be that long ago. Ronnie's got on crutches and stuff. But yeah. I remember one year where you were backstage, and I'm like, damn, look at this guy. But um, so let's talk about uh, relationships, because then we're going to do our rapid fire questions, which we've never done this mm -hmm. before, but it's get to know Jay <laughs> segment. And uh, you never know what's going to be said there. So before we go to that, uh, relationships. So. You were married, obviously, uh, very young, right? How old were you when you got married? I was married at 24, but we were together since 16, um, Carrie and I. Uh, and we were married until uh, 2011. So we, at around 38, I think, we got divorced. And uh, to this day, we're still super close. Uh, just kind of grew apart a little bit. But that was my backbone of my career, like, um, and still like, she's still super proud of what I do. I mean, she takes the supplements every day, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, we had, we had definitely something special and, you know, she was working towards a nursing degree during those years. She became a nurse practitioner and, and, uh, you know, I always say like, you always need a significant other in order to get successful places. And, uh, whether it's a family member or, you know, that special person, she was, I remember telling on our first date at 16. I said, you know, I want to become a bodybuilder. And she didn't know what, you know, she didn't know what it was. And I didn't start training until 18. So how's that? Two years later, I joined the gym and I started my journey to be a professional bodybuilder. And uh, it was a, it was a, it was a crazy ride. And she was there for the good times and, and the best of times, which is, you know, it's really important for memories. But at the same time, it's, it makes it to successes that much better when uh, someone's there to, to ride along with you the whole time. And, and obviously it, it didn't, you, you did get divorced uh, in 2011 and what was the, what was the reasoning? Like what, uh, what was the, obviously that's a huge choice to make when you've been with somebody since you're 16. 
Yeah, um, I think we just kind of had a vision of what the future, you know, what was looking uh, as far as, you know, I knew my schedule was going to get busier. I knew I couldn't really step away. I became kind of a victim of my success in a way. And her, you know, she, she wanted to look at, okay, let's enjoy all these successes. And I think for me, like I wanted to work more. It didn't really, it doesn't make much sense to me sometimes the, the thinking because every 10 years you advance your thinking processes. And I was on top of the world even when I retired. I mean, I was still in my eyes, you know, I, I was, I had lost the Olympia and I retired, but I felt like I was still a, a huge figurehead in the business. And I think it affects the relationship when you're gone on the road every week, you lose that companionship. She stopped traveling me because she was working. And, you know, I mean, you, you travel with Darielle and, you know, the, it's hard to bring your wife always in, in, in and out of the events. Like, you know, when a fan, I can't walk through any place without giving fans um, the time. And there's so many commitments for me on these weekends that it just became something that we, you know, we didn't necessarily do together. And I think eventually that, that kind of war. And I think she foresaw the future of that. And we both kind of, you know, we, we parted uh, very amicably and, and, you know, we even went to dinner, we signed our divorce papers and went to dinner and, you know, I'm still a huge supporter of hers as she is with me. Um, and, you know, she's working out like crazy as, as much, probably more than me at this point and uh, very successful in her career and probably looking forward to retirement probably sooner than I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's definitely the case. I mean, uh, traveling with shows, you know, when you, when you're, it's very, even for me, you know, bringing Daryl to shows a lot of times now she's like, well, there's no point in me going because you've got this meeting, this meeting, this meeting, this meeting, you're doing this, you gotta be this. And so there's not like, we're not going to like have fun together, um, at the Arnold or Olympia or whatever, you know, and she does still go, but, but ultimately it's a work trip and they're not, I mean, they're fun for me, but they're not fun by the standard <laughs> definition of fun. Um, we're not doing cool stuff. And so, um, and certainly not doing cool stuff together. And so it definitely does change those kind of trips. And you traveled at that point, especially even more. I, I would, Aaron, I was gone every weekend. So there wasn't a time where I said, okay, I'm going to devote, which is my, probably my mistake more than anything, but the demand is there. And I always thought I need to take advantage of this and why I'm still important in this, in this field. I never realized that it would prolong and it would still be the same today. Right. Because I was always told by people around me, you know, someday your phone won't ring and someday you won't be as relevant. And I was a transitional guy between magazines and social media. And I really kind of took advantage of those outlets. And, and that really, I, my personality came out. I mean, I was a square. So when I started really getting that personality and interacting with people and showing people, okay, this is real life. And it's not just me about eating chicken breasts and, and lifting weights there's actually a personality side that my, my fan base actually grew. And now today, uh, you know, I think I'm more relevant than ever and still more as popular as I, as I was, um, and probably even more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I think so. You, you were definitely an early adopter to social media and got on there and were authentic and built your own brand and, and very, very, very few people did that when you did it. And then even less people continued on and, and stayed true to that. Uh, the entire time and continue to adapt and be an early adopter to new platforms. I mean, it's a very rare, very, very rare thing. Let's talk about, so before we move on to the get the get to know Jay rapid fire questions, mm -hmm. um, you obviously found uh, a, a new special someone, right? And I know, I don't, at least I don't believe that you were planning on it. It just kind of happened, right? Yeah, it wasn't, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, I was dating or whatever and, and, uh, 
you know, I, I didn't plan to really settle down because once again, I learned from the mistake of like, okay, I'm working like a maniac and it's really hard for me to settle. Um, although I dated, um, you know, for quite some time after the split up of my, my ex-wife, you know, I found Angie in 2016. Um, it was just a rare thing. It was one of the, you know, it was honestly like she was a, a girl that I had met, you know, I'd met a lot of women and uh, we didn't plan on, you know, really settling in either. We kind of had that 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 conversation, and she brought her little dogs in, which are sitting on the couch behind me. And that kind of <laughs> they moved in, and and then eventually, uh, you know, we developed a relationship, and you know, we've been engaged now, and and uh, it's been going on now. It'll be four years in October. Will you get married? You know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, we we discussed it. Um, and I know a lot of people that had a wedding plans this year and it didn't, didn't work out, unfortunately. Uh, so it's just kind of taking it, taking it, uh, time, like a little bit at a time here. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, I'm kind of focused on, like we talked about building the companies and, and really just kind of settling in because I know for me, when I really want to call it, like start scaling down a little bit, I need to make a huge life adjustment and it's going to come that time, Aaron. And I know I might have said this to you before, uh, but things will slow eventually for me. And I won't be at all these events. Uh, maybe this is the, the curve that will push me to that a little fur, uh, quicker than what I expected. Um, I think it's going to affect a lot of us on what, I mean, it's kind of an undecided decision. We're talking about what are our plans in October, in December, in January, right? I mean, I can ask both you guys, you have no idea other than your business strategies. Like we're kind of on standstill with a lot of things. So uh, I would love to be able to say that. I mean, that it's in my cards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are, so Jay, are you one of the people, and I'm trying to get you in trouble with Angie, but are you one of the people out there? And, 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 I, and I totally get this, by the way, I don't disagree. Are you one of the people that say, why get married? Who gives a shit anyway? Like, it's just a, a contract with the with another person that everybody now, the government has a part of. Um, that's a selfish way to think about it. And and sometimes it depends on what day you catch me on. Uh, I would probably say yes or no. Uh, as you guys know, you're both married. Uh, you know, there's good and there's bad times of your marriage, right? I mean, we all have our agreements or disagreements. It's really hard when someone works with you, which she's working alongside of me on a day-to-day -day basis right now. And I have to kind of separate the, the biggest issue I'm having today. And this goes for all you guys out there watching. I have a hard time separating. I'm the boss and she's my, my spouse or whatever, right? So I sometimes I talk to her like, okay, we need to do this or do this, right? Yeah. And that's the hardest part about having someone in your office with you on a day-to-day -day basis and handling your thing. Sometimes it's easier to have an assistant to do that or an employee that you don't have to speak a certain way to because my tone sometimes can be really tough. You guys know me as like I'm a, a laid-back general guy, but when I get fired up and things aren't going in my favor, there's a different side of me. Oh, no, I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard that about you, Jay. I actually have heard yeah. that. Um, that, that, that you can be like that. And I can tell you firsthand, there's no fucking way Gariel could work for me. She, uh, she, it's not, it's not even like, a, there's, I know, no, but she has an office. She has an office. She has, yes, she has an office, but she, she does whatever she wants. And she's like her own little Island, uh, the red kind of one foundation. That's her thing. And you know, we she have, annexed herself. Yeah, she annexed, so she's not coming out and that's her deal. But I literally couldn't tell her anything. There's no way we could work impossible. Because even we've even gotten fights where 
she acts like we're at home in front of other employees and she'll talk to me. I'm like, hey man, like this is a place that I need to be respected. You can't talk to me like that here. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't come here then. You know, you, that's not that that is not okay. And so yeah, I can totally 100 percent see that. And obviously your wife could never work for you. That would it would be see, then, she's more volatile than me. Someday. Yeah, she can get crazier than you. <laughs> and you're pretty crazy. So no, it would never, it would never ever be able to uh that to that's the tough part about being the business. Okay, when I'm the actual brand, right? So like a lot of things, and that's what I'm trying to separate it, especially with Cutler Nutrition, where I'm bringing a lot of people that are involved that that kind of, you know, can take, I can kind of just kind of steer over these people. But, um, you know, I still have the run to date, the, you know, the, the contracts for the personal stuff. And, you know, a lot of the books and everything, I have a bookkeeper and I have an accountant, but Sometimes it's like, I'm not really, really computer savvy, to be honest. So I have Angie jump in and it's like, Hey, do this or do that. It's, it's, uh, it can be, it can be tough sometimes. Oh yeah. I can't even imagine. So <laughs> we're going to go to the, uh, the gets to know Jay fire, rapid fire questions. Okay. And so we'll keep these relatively short, Jay. We got a shitload of them. We're not going to go through all of these, uh, but I'm going to nail you pick one up. I'll, I'll go first and, all right. and then you pick the one you want to answer and we'll go through a few of these things. So Jay, do you do any kind of other sport or activity besides bodybuilding? And uh, if, if, if there was a real alternate reality, would you do the thing to make money? So like in a different, if in a different world. Uh, I would have loved to have been a football player. Yeah. There is a, but I don't play any player. sports. What's that? I don't play any other sports. That's it. Huh? Bodybuilding. That's it. I always heard. I've always my uh, whole adult life or even before, if you're doing bodybuilding, that's all you should do because uh, anything else can get you hurt, right? Yeah, it's true. Um, but, you know, I had a love for track and I had a love for football, but I was the best at bodybuilding. That's why I chose bodybuilding. All right. So what's a unique talent you have that nobody would know about you? Uh, unique talent. <laughs> what's that? And don't say rapping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This guy says I need beats by Jay. I just saw it come on the screen. Oh, you, got um, <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I was great. You know, I have my ATVs, which people don't see that really side of me. I was a, I was like sponsored by uh, one of the, one of the local uh, ATV dealers growing up. I mean, that was my love. That's what I wanted to do. So I used to race ATVs and that was kind of my passion. And that's, you know, what I, once I got bigger, I had to stop riding. But I still have my quad sitting yeah, in my ATVs now. I have them sitting in my uh, in my garage. Yeah. Does that mean you drive them, or do they just sit in your garage? Oh yeah, no, I I drive them. I I'm getting a. I just had them serviced now, so we're gonna take them out. Actually, I just called about um, getting them trailered out today. So cool. we'll see. Uh, we'll see. It's a little hot right now though in Vegas. Yeah. So what TV shows are you currently, or did you recently binge watch? Like, is Jay Keller a TV? I, what, what is he? Like? I watched. I watched Ozark and uh, everyone watched Ozark during quarantine. Uh, but I, I haven't really watched any. Uh, to be honest, I'm not a huge TV guy. I'm more watching things on YouTube. And oh. What happened? Jay, your mic, your mic died. Oh, did your pods die? Uh-oh, Jay. No, no audio. No audio. Damn, if he doesn't want to hear by Jay. He doesn't want to hear. 
sorry, I'm back. I'm to watch 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for me, I'm going to give a request. Jay is fixing his audio. What I'm going to recommend to you guys out there, and I've recommended to, to specifically to Ryan recently, is a show called Devs on Hulu. Devs is fucking is, is awesome. So I know Hulu, people nobody watches Hulu, but Hulu has two great shows, Devs Man. and also Handmaid's Tale. Awesome. So like it, it's worth down getting it. It's what seven dollars a month or something like that. Yeah, it's cheap. It's hundred percent worth. It. Cancel it when those two Price shows are Starbucks done. coffee. Are you back, Jack? You got me. Okay, yeah, you're back. You're good. See, another reason you need Beats by Jay. Well, they're not, oh. the, they're not the micro. The well, he can create those oh. ones. Oh, okay. Right. Go high tech with this shit. Business, new business idea. <laughs> You're good, Jay? Oh, no, Jay can't hear us. Jay, we're good. We're good. Can you hear me, Jay? Oh, man. Jay, Jay's lost us. Johnny, is Jay's get it, getting our audio? Jay, you talk. You talk, Jay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to get back to Jay's questions. There's no way we can end. <laughs> um, so Eduardo's going to fill in for I'll, Jay. Collar. I'm, I'm going to uh, Jay. Can you hear us? All right. So Eduardo Jay. Yeah. So Jay, what was the weirdest fan interaction you had? When I met this guy Aaron Singerman asking <laughs> for a Polaroid for five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Touch me weird. <laughs> hey, hey, Eduardo J. That's not cool. Okay, can you can you guys hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you. There we are, Jay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. My my AirPods died. Uh, well, you're back now. This is us at the Arnold. I think we're. Uh, well, I think uh, was that Robin Dana at that that dinner. Robin Dude, Dana. you look so skinny there. I know. I was dieting. I was dieting. I was shredded, Jay. I mean, under that shirt, I was peeled, peeled to the bone. Yeah, you still you, you still look pretty good. I saw you flexing before the show. Yeah, oh, you did. That's right. Jay <laughs> saw me without a shirt on Jay before, so he knows. <laughs> I didn't so know. I didn't weird. know he was seeing it. Well, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know. It wasn't like a Wardo trying to show off or anything. So totally. that goes back to the next question: weirdest fan interaction you've ever had? Yeah, that's a good one. Oh man, you're gonna put me on the spot, huh? I, can I swear on the show? Yeah. Oh, we curse Fuck all the time. Yeah, Jay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so <laughs> so listen, so I'm I'm sitting in in you know business class, whatever, on a flight, and you know it's it's always like people's reaction when you when you come on, you know, they get on the plane and they see that I'm sitting there, right? And this guy come, you know, he comes in the plane's like put it pretty much full, and everyone in business is sitting around, you know, these guys are suited up or whatever, and this kid looks and he goes, Holy shit. Jake fucking Cutler. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I'm like, people are staring and I'm like, okay. And he's like, starts freaking out and going crazy. And he's just like going, and I'm like, man, like chill out. Like it's okay. And all these people are like, who are you? And that's the most embarrassing thing for me because the people don't know who really bodybuilding and this kid's like screaming, can I take a picture? He's dropping his stuff. And you know, people don't want to be in the picture. They're sitting on a plane and sometimes it's a little overwhelming in that sense. So have you had, um, so I've had this happen. So I imagine you probably had it happen <laughs> where somebody gets nervous enough that they are physically shaking or they cry that for that yes. the fuck out when people are like, like where their hands are, are doing like this. They're like, nice to meet you know, sweating or crying or I'm like, what, what the fuck? Like, calm down, man. What? <laughs> That's happening. I mean, listen, it, me. that must be it, it's, time. 
it's so crazy because I mean, I remember meeting, I remember I met Lee Labrado was the first guy I ever met, but Paul Dillette was another guy. Like I was afraid to go up to him and I didn't because I didn't know what to say. I was like, am I going to sound stupid if I, what am I going to say to him? Um, you know, how big your arms? I mean, that's like the most common question, but like, I just avoided those. Like I told you, I was an introvert, but uh, I, I, usually welcome those people that are really nervous. Uh, I can sense it from a mile away because, you know, they wait in the line and then they get to me and you can tell they, and they, a lot of people tell me, Hey, I'm just really nervous. And I said, man, I'm just a normal guy. Just whatever. Let's take a picture and, you know, tell me how long you've been training and why, who, who'd you come here with? Whatever. I try to steer up conversation with people to see, and it really brings them back down to uh, some sort of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's uh, that always, you know, I, I almost when that happens, I almost don't know how to handle it because it's so it seems so foreign. And obviously, uh, so I'm also weirdly enough, I don't get starstruck at all. So I don't have whatever that thing is. I don't think that I have it at all. And I met uh, like legitimately like a list people. And I don't I don't uh, I don't get that. Like Daryl, me and Daryl met Jordan Peterson. This is a good example. We went to because I really liked his book, uh, um, the most recent book um, or the, maybe the only book he's ever written. Um, and we went to go see him speak and I paid for us to go have an opportunity to meet him and shake his hand, take a picture and talk for a minute after, uh, like a meet and greet. And, uh, and she's like, are you going to like try to talk to him? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, she's like, what, what are you, what are you going to say to him? What do you say? Yeah. Figure it out. And I ended up talking to him for a few minutes and she was like, oh my God, I can't believe you had the balls to talk to him. I'm like, why would I talk to him? He's just another dude. He's just a normal guy. You just think he's a big deal. Or she met Mark, Mark Wahlberg. She'll be embarrassed. Just some. She met Mark Wahlberg at the last Olympia and she couldn't say anything to him. She didn't know what she like freaked out. And I'm like, dude, I don't, I literally don't have that. Like whatever that is, I don't have it. So it's, yeah. it makes it weird for me to, so when people do it, it makes it even weirder because I don't understand. It's hard for me to like put myself in their position uh, because it's like, well, obviously like you look at yourself, Jack, you're just a normal dude. Me, yeah. I, I think nothing. So when somebody acts like that, it's always like, I guess it makes me uncomfortable. I don't have the, the Jay Cutler style yet when I, i'm comfortable i feel uncomfortable i feel a little uncomfortable sometimes but i usually can kind of uh can kind of squash it real quick uh and the nervousness goes away which is which is awesome do you still rap like to yourself like do you have any do you in the shower maybe i don't even i don't even sing uh i'm not a great singer and I've been reminded by people around me, especially Angie. She's a, you know, she was a professional singer, so I really can't compete with her. And she was also a professional dancer. Um, she used to do uh, uh, like competitions. So uh, I really can't compete at that level. Do you go dance? What's with that? Her? Do you go dance with her? No. You know what? You know what? That was kind of our thing for TikTok. We were supposed to do this quarantine, um, learn to salsa. Um, she really wants me to. I mean. That would be her her wedding hopeful is that we would salsa dance like to show off for the audience, you know, but I'm not a man of many moves. Oh, Duardo's back there laughing. I'm sure he's going to teach you how to salsa. No, no, that was when we first met. Johnny, Johnny, your your clips are I man, if you ever need a job, man, you need to come work for me. <laughs> he's he's ready. He's ready. You know, we want to move to Vegas, Johnny? 
we got to keep him here, man. We can't got to keep him here. So, um, Jay, what does your retirement look like? When Jay Cutler retires, what does he do? Yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the farm again, Aaron, to be honest. You know, my brother still has 60 cows and uh, about 20 pigs. I mean, that, that life is very pleasing to me, especially these days right now. But is that even retired, though, Jay, if you're having to manage all the animals and stuff? That sounds not retired. Uh, I don't think I'll ever retire. My dad worked until he was not 89, I think. Hmm. And uh, I think I'll, I don't think I'll ever stop. You know, when you say retire, I mean, you work for yourself. So um, I don't plan on taking a job working for someone at this point. Uh, as an entrepreneur, it seems to never stop. It seems like I'm getting into more and more ventures as my life goes on. So um, I need some excitement in my life. And I think, uh, you know, especially my competitive nature after the bodybuilding stuff. So you always eat pretty clean anytime I've seen you traveling still to this day, but you got to have a favorite junk food. What is it? In and out burger. <laughs> and what if you, you know, in and out burgers? What's that? If you didn't live in the West Coast, what would you do? No in and out. I wouldn't eat in and out burger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would still have some sort of burgers and fly. You guys thrive off the Five Guys. I'm not so sure about Five Guys out there. I haven't had Five Guys in forever. Burger, burger Five. Burger I like five. Burger Five here. Never tried it. It's good. You like it. You, you, I like Cheesecake Factory too. Carrot cake, Cheesecake yeah. Factory carrot cake is really good. I like sweets or I like burger and fries. That was always my go-to after a show was the burger and fry uh, meal. That's another question. Um, uh, yeah. So whenever you come here to Boca, finally, and I can bring you to the Red Cow One Gym and everything, the day that happens, which God knows when we'll be at this point, um, we'll get you some burger fry. So um, favorite place in the world to travel. So you and I, and you, you even you more than me even have been to a lot of places. And, you know, I've had the, the good fortune to, to travel. I went with you to India. You know, we were in India uh, once or twice. I don't remember. Uh, but um, twice, twice. Okay, so I've uh, been to India a bunch of times. But you've been all over the place. What is your favorite place to travel? And it can't you can't say Vegas, Australia, Australia. Really, because the fans are so great and everything. Fans are great, but it's just beautiful scenery. I mean, I traveled through the Gold Coast. I, you know, I went from Perth all the way over. Sydney's amazing. Uh, the people are amazing. The weather's amazing. Uh, it's just, it's one of those places that I think it's a bucket list that everyone in their life should try to, to visit. I mean, it's a long flight, but it's well worth it when you get there. Yeah, I loved Australia. I've been to Australia four times and did the whole tour and stuff like that how about new zealand do you ever whatever seen momo new zealand on on my bucket list bali is on my bucket list and so is thailand that's one if you ask me i mean it's just the flights man that's the only thing holding me back from going to those places uh but i would love to go see mo over there in new zealand and be able to visit that i have a lot of fans out there that write to me and uh it's one of the, the places that are on my future visit list next time you go to, to australia may as well Head over there. I, I had a chance. Yeah, it's a quick flight. It's I think it's depending on where you're in Australia, it's anywhere from eight to four hours or something like that. I went mm -hmm. to Mo and uh, I went out there and saw when I went out there, Kai Green was guest posing for Mo, and uh, it's one of those iconic pictures of Kai posing next to the cha the champion, the overall champion at Mo's show. And uh, beautiful Auckland is is absolutely beautiful. And he tells me if uh, shit goes down in America and we have a civil war, I should move to New Zealand. So. 
you never know. You never know. These days, you never know. <laughs> um, but uh, it is yeah. a cool place. And the other ones, too, Bali and Thailand, I've never been to and would love to go to both of those. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends that live there. What's uh, one thing that you can't leave the house without, Jay? Like you walk out the door, you got to have it with you. And Cell phone. Your wallet or your purse. <laughs> Cell phone. Cell phone. Cell phone. Oh, yeah. Uh, a bottle of water in Vegas, as you know, it's dry here. What do you think your worst habit is? Jay Cutler's worst habit? Chewing ice. Oh, have you broken teeth like that? Uh, no, I broke my tooth. I broke a, uh, a tooth on eating a rice cake, if you believe that, um, oh. earlier this year. That tooth was ready to break, Jay. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I chew ice, and I don't know what they say. I don't know what that means, but I have a habit of chewing ice. Yeah, I do that. So too. bad for your I've teeth. Had, I've had so many broken teeth that I, I'm very careful now. Uh, I have a lot of broken teeth. Um, so uh, Eduardo takes you out karaoke. What song do you sing? Um, Love Shack. Love Shack. That's good. <laughs> okay. I, thinking, I can do a duet. I was thinking Despacito. <laughs> Despacito. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. That's Angie's favorite song, Eduardo. <laughs> I always say, I actually, actually have saying that to her in the car and she's like, you don't even know the words, so don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to, we're going to end it over here, Jay, and then we're going to go to some Q and a real quick. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but the one thing, uh, one thing that you'd like to master or you'd be, want to be really good at that you aren't yet. Golf. Golf. Okay. I want to, that's the next thing, Aaron. I promise you in the next year I will be golfing. And is that because it's a business thing where people go and, and have? No, I, I just, I, I used to work on a golf course when I was uh, 1920. And it was the most relaxing time when I would get out on that golf course. And I used to run the fairway mowers and mow the greens. I actually was in charge of, of the irrigation. And I found so much peace being out on that golf course that it just, it's one of those places that I now want to spend some time um, and try to learn. I mean, it's very challenging for me, especially being my size. Um, you know, I was athletic before I got into bodybuilding, uh, but I would love to be able to learn to golf. I'm going to have to take some lessons. That's cool. That's cool. Um, when, when you come here, Asher will take you and show you. It's, oh, yeah, that's right. He's learning, right? Or is he playing pretty yeah, well? It's the ball straight every – I mean, look, ultimately for me, just hitting the ball every time and hitting it straight is something that I've yet to uh, – be able to accomplish so that that alone i'm impressed that he could do it so yeah he could probably i don't know if he could give you any pointers but he could probably beat you at this point <laughs> yeah. um, let's uh, let's go to question live question and answer with jay and uh we've got about 10 minutes left or so and then we're going to call it a day uh what's a good pickup line jay have you ever used a pickup <laughs> line before jay i'm sure i've used something but um Hey, I don't know what I don't know what I would say. Hey, how are you? Um, do I know you? That's a great pickup line. Hey, have I met you before? You look familiar. Uh, no, I think it was like, hey, have we met before, or do I know you? I think that would be a positive pickup line. I forget what I said to Angie out. when I met her. You ever yeah, helped yeah. stand out before, baby? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's Jay's favorite workout? What's your favorite body part, Jay? Train. Back or legs, the most challenging ones, as anyone that's followed me in my career knows how much I love uh, those body parts. Uh, okay, that's a nice that's a comment, comment from Eddie. Questions only, please. 
Johnny, just choose the questions or who's ever choosing. The I think questions. it's I think it's Lord of the right. Dorks. Okay. I work in an intense manual labor job. Would it be better to keep the sets low and train everything twice or keep the sets high and hit everything once? Uh, I don't know about I just I would stay moderate and train each body part once every, you know, five to seven days. I mean, remember, I grew up in the concrete background, so I was trying to, you know, balance uh, and working on the golf course. Also, I was trying to balance the workouts around the, those schedules. And I just think that, you know, moderate, moderate volume, focus on eight to 12 repetitions and, you know, keep the sets nine to 12 per body part. But I wouldn't suggest training twice a week. It can the rest is is more important than actually the. The workload is uh, each week. All right. What's your intake about pros international coming to compete in America? What does that mean? What's your intake about pros? What, what's your thoughts on international like pros? Hottie, is that... I, that's got to be what you're saying. I think it's amazing now that these guys are being more welcomed in the shows, the international uh, guys. I mean, I remember dealing with the, you know, the Marcus Rules, the Gunters, all those people that, that their dream was to come to the U.S., uh, that's where you get your notoriety. I mean, the new faces would always come over to the night of champions and have that opportunity to compete and then to become superstars and from wherever they're from and in the United States. So, uh, I am all for it. Uh, we have a lot of great talent internationally and, uh, I welcome anyone coming over to compete. Do, in you, those think, Jay, shows. do you think that the, the next Mr. Olympia will be from outside of the United States? Do you think Brandon will, will return and win again? Um, I think he'll win again, but I think it's really hard to predict what the future is, but we're going to definitely have an international winner at some point. It's got, it's got, obviously got to happen soon. I mean, the last international winner was Dorian, Dorian Yates and before yeah. Dorian, before Dorian, who was no, like now Samir lives in America. No, he lived in the U S he trained down here. Nobody. I don't think. Well, Arnold, technically. Arnold, but no, he lived in America Franco. too. Well, they lived in America. Trying to think of somebody who lived. What do you think the Olympia States? used to be held all around the world? It wasn't just a U.S. competition. I'm you just know, saying, who, what re, what non-United States residents have ever won other than Dorian? Nobody. I think just the shadow. Yeah, that's it. I think. Um, so mm -hmm. that'll be. I mean, look, if there's any time for it to be international, it's now. And a lot of people thought uh, Hadi won uh, last year. I mean, he was. It was pretty neck and neck. I mean, we were there, and I mean, it was. That was you can make an argument for either one of them. Now, unfortunately, because of the times. He won't be able. To, I mean, I can't say for sure, but the chances of him competing in December are probably one in a million or something. Yeah, the chances of anyone coming from international is, you know, without a U.S. passport, is going to have problems at this point. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that I think that's the case. You think the Olympia goes on in December, Jay? I think the Olympia goes on. I'm not so sure about the Expo, but uh, you know, I know what Vegas looks like today. Remember, I live here. Yeah, and it's and it's dead. 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 That sucks. Uh, well, regardless of uh, if uh, if it's going to be, uh, there's going to be X or not, we'll, we'll still be there. So yeah. we'll still be, we're going to hang out yeah, with you. We're staying you. at your house. See ya. See yeah. You. We're going to go golfing with you. All yeah, right, there you go. Days. There you go. You'll be, Jay, you'll be better than me. So at least that's something, right? <laughs> uh, a one, yeah. Jay, out of a one out of 10, one being nothing, 10 being crazy, how adventurous are you when it comes to things in general? I'm a five, probably. I'm halfway. Angie tries to get me to do some crazy things, but uh, I'm I'm a little uh, I'm a little awkward right now just because of the times and there's a lot of uncertainty. So for me, I, I'm usually a little more out of my shell, uh, but hopefully I'm coming to a better position now. You want to ask this one? Yeah, I think this is actually from Eduardo, going by a screen name of Jerry Tauber. It says, uh, "How do you keep your hair so sexy?" 
got to do what I can to hold on to what I got. You know, uh, it's always been my kind of been my trademark. Uh, good genes. It's really all it is. Um, you know, I'd like to tell you I was drug free my whole career, but I'm not gonna, I'm, Jeez, Jay, uh, well, this is his last question. Jay, have you ever gone skiing? Yeah, I was a great skier at one point. One, something else I want to do. You asked me what I'm, what is on my bucket list, and I keep saying this every year. I'm going to go ski, but I was actually uh, I grew up skiing in Massachusetts. Stone says he needs beats by Jay. I need beats by Jay. I need to get pumped up for when I go to the gym. Do you remember how it went, Eduardo? What was the the the, the, the best one? Oh, I played it. Yeah, it's all gone now. You can't find it anymore. He hit it all. He like deleted it all. He went and paid everybody to remove it. It's like, do you want to get ready to train? Or something like that, right? <laughs> did you listen to? Did you ever listen to it? No, no, he didn't. Oh, okay. Do you know what it is, Jay? Uh, what did you say? Something like that. Wait. I said, uh, "Do you ever want me to take you to a level you've never been before?" Hold on. What the hell? Hold on. Hold on. This thing's talking to me. Hold on, Jay. They're playing. You need to send it to Johnny. He can't. He can't hear it. He can't hear it. Are you ready to go somewhere you've never been before? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, only 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 champions go to this level. That's <laughs> I said, kill it. <laughs> That's it. Hell yeah. How was this not a fucking massive hit? I don't, I don't know. know. I think it came out in the wrong time, Jay. I think yep. you missed you missed it. If it were to come out today, people need that. They need positivity. Put that to a trap beat and we'll get you in a strip club. You never know if you yeah. read do the auto tune. We'll it, was, it was it was so terrible. I can I can tell you. I remember sitting in Hollywood at the corner of Hollywood and Vine in a stu studio. I actually rented a studio to to record this thing at three o'clock in the morning. It was like 2010. And I recorded this thing all night. I got done at five o'clock recording Beats by Jay. <laughs> so you did it in one shot? Like you never left? You did the whole thing? I did it one, at one, one night. We came up with the beats and I'm like, okay, they're like, get some words to it. And I just couldn't, I mean, come on, man. I was spitting out like, kill it, push yourself. Like, let's, let's do this. You're, You're turning it up. You're like the pre really. Yeah, yeah. What I was like, I was like, "Let's go!" And it like had an echo and shit. This is what I'm gonna it do. was awesome. We're gonna do for you. So I have on the staff here. JP is our art director. He happens to be a very yeah. talented musician, and I'm gonna get him this audio somehow, whether it's from you or we'll find it. I think we found and, it. And then I'm going to up. Oh, we'll hear some of it. So I'm gonna get uh, JP to remix it, auto tune it. And let's see what we can come up with for the new album with a re-release, remastered or anything. Uh, Eduardo, Eduardo's never gonna let me live this shit down. <laughs> he's dude, he's the one who loves it. He is like, I just want I just need to buy it. Yeah, exactly. So you gotta remember he's a super fan, Jay. Super. He's probably yeah. the one you have the weirdest interaction with. <laughs> he's the one who will cry and shake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take a picture at the urinal with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's never happened to you, Jay. Nobody's ever like like tried. To, like, nah, it's 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 happened. I mean, you know, you know. <laughs> Sorry. it's all happened. I mean, you hear the stories. It's I mean, come on, it's me. You've heard the stories from everybody. It's happened to me. <laughs> Tell them your piss is anabolic. Go for it. <laughs> Scoop it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do it? We're gonna call it a day. Got some good ones. Okay. No. Okay. All right, Jay. Thank you so much. I did get I I did get a shipment of Redcon one. I just wanted to thank you guys so much. I'm using your L carnitine before my cardio. I'm gonna give you a shout out, and I I love the Total War drinks too. So 
you guys haven't tried it. My that rainbow candy's out of this world, man. Both both of the uh, of the L carnitine and the uh, and the um, Total War, man. And L carnitine was the first supplement I ever used. You know that Chris Aceto put me on. I used to use the the Jaro formula of L carnitine, and I don't think it had flavor. It probably was gross back then, huh? Yeah. So um, before I let you go, Jay, I just I wanted to uh, tell people out there. You know the one the one story I always tell about Jay. And I've said, posted it and said it a million times. But I always, before I let you go, I have to say is that the one cool thing is that in the history of me being involved in the supplement bodybuilding space, you know, when I started, I was essentially, well, I started off doing a, a podcast before I really knew Jay. And then I started working for Dave Palumbo. And I was basically Dave Palumbo's lackey who was not really well liked in, in our industry. And uh, he's more well liked now, I suppose. But then at the time, he was really not, not well liked at all. And, and we we're pretty ostracized, Dave and I. And uh, at the time, Jay was Mr. Olympia. And I remember when Jay uh, texted me or called me the first time to ask me something about Tony Freeman. And I don't remember what it was about, but I remember showing it to Dave Palumbo. And uh, we were on a, we were on a uh, like, I guess it would be like a, almost like a trolley on the way to our rental car, going somewhere in some bumfuck, wherever the hell we were at, to go get the shitty rental car to go to some shitty show in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, and I showed it to him, and he goes, he wants something from you. And I'm like, what, what does he want? And he's like, I don't know. Why would he call you? Why would he text you? He doesn't care. And, uh, and, and he, he couldn't have been more wrong because uh, uh, Jay has been a good friend from, from that point forward in, in tough times and in good. And as you know, Jay, uh, very few people are like that. People come around when you're doing great. When things aren't so good, they, they run the direction. And I've had people that I would tell you that I thought I was very close to in bad times uh, that didn't want to be around me. And, uh, and I think that speaks volumes about your character. No, I appreciate that. I remember it was, I think it was when the Sweden thing happened, to be honest, it may like, have didn't you get arrested in Sweden? And I was supposed to go over there and I don't know, you seem to be the man of the information back then. I think too, you always knew what was going on. The gossip. Yes. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, I think, you know, with, with you, I remember holding Asher when he was born, like yep. at the nationals. I don't know how old he was then, but it was that was 2012. Two weeks, yeah, young, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, and you, I remember meeting you outside the hotel, and I remember taking a picture with your son, and uh, you were so excited, and you know, it was that was a special moment for me, you know, because I was down there for the nationals, and you know, I had a little booth and everything, and we got to talk a little bit, and then, you know, when you told me, hey, I'm going to start this this supplement thing, and I remember. I was one of the first, one of the few people you called when you were like, I'm going to launch this Redcon one. And you kind of gave me a brief rundown of it. And you're like, I'm going to be the most successful sports nutrition brand in the world. And I remember thinking, man, you know, he must have an awesome plan. And we talked a little bit about the background and, you know, I can't be, uh, I can't tell you how proud I am of you, what you guys accomplished. And it's a, it's a big, big motivator for me, um, even being, someone who you know was dominant in, in the fitness industry to watch you and your team and what you guys do over there i get excited to see you know what expansions you guys are doing and what new products and i'm always i'm always calling you say hey, let me try this and uh you know i really uh, i enjoy watching it guys and i always love being a part of your of your uh your community and i love johnny styles he's my guy too um and uh you know i appreciate you guys so much no problem jay, jay thank you you know we appreciate it and uh, it means a lot to me. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, there's very few people that are supportive all the time from the time that you got nothing to the time you got it all and, and everything in between. So you've been nothing but supportive and, and anything, obviously, 
Red, Redcon One, me, Eric, Eduardo, Johnny, anybody else here can do for you. You know, we'll always do that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, and uh, and I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future. I'd love to have. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'd love yeah. to have him on uh, on a panel because the panel discussions we're going to try to make a little more dramatic. So we'll put some people. Last show, everybody had the same opinions. Next show, we're going to try to have some people with differing opinions. And uh, while I know you don't have a lot of, you're not you're not like a political guy. Aren't gonna Controversial, yeah. You do have opinions on a lot of things. So we could definitely integrate you. And I'd love to hear, because that's one of the, the interesting things about the, the past shows is that when we do something like that, sometimes you hear uh, a person, a part of a person's personality or opinions that you just don't normally hear because there's not occasion for it. Well, listen, I'm coming out of my shell a little bit. You know, you'd, I'd be probably surprised if you were my answers on certain topics. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's always always great to be part of it and uh, have a voice. And my voice comes with reason. I mean, I always have some sort of uh, reason why I feel a certain way. It's not just, hey, this is what my attitude is. Um, I always kind of give a backup reason from experience why I think certain ways. Yeah, that's very, that's very, uh, that's very cool and very true. And, and I think that, unfortunately, that's, very rare uh these days in, in the world where people don't always have that you would think that's common sense well everybody has a, a reason for the things that they say but these days you don't so that that would be very cool and, and i would love to be shocked by hearing the unfiltered jay cutler because i think people would people would appreciate that and uh it's a tough it's a tough time to be in the middle of anything honestly it's it is a very tough time it's it, the, the world has made it tough you know mm-hmm what do you think, Johnny? We still got it. <laughs> Johnny did a thumbs up. And then Warhol was like, <laughs> I don't know. You had you had the whole team flexing before you guys showed up. So these other guys were there, Ryan and all these guys were showing off their guns. I mean, they were pulling their shirts off and everything. You got the most you got the most jacked up staff in the industry, I think, over there. Thank you. I appreciate that. We have a how much they pay for how much they pay for that gym membership to Redcon zero, One Gym. Zero. Not only do they pay zero, Jay, but we also give them a plus one with the caveat they can't wow. change plus one regularly. You can't have different boyfriends and girlfriends come in all the time, but you do have a plus one. Maybe your mom or somebody you're sticking around with. But otherwise, I'm going to ask you one question though. I got to ask. Yes. What is what is the most popular piece of equipment that you brought into Redcon One Gym? Uh, very good question, Jay. So, Jay, we have a company called Panada. Panada, Panada from Italy. I know what it is. You've I know what it is. Before? Yeah. You've probably seen yep. our stories and everything. So, Panada is uh, is this brand that, that is very, very popular uh, in Europe, and specifically Italy, and uh, not popular in America at all. The, the, nobody really has it. So I would say there's probably maybe a half a dozen gyms in the, all of America that have one thing or two things. We have uh 12 or 13 pieces now and we and have another 11 coming and we have 11 coming so uh, we will certainly be the best outfitted gym in the world in terms of that's not Panada, that, that's viking don't, don't post that one johnny that's johnny's about to post that, Linus, a different yeah. a different brand yeah. um the uh so the panada equipment is uh, is all the best it's literally the ferrari uh or lamborghini depending on what you like of uh of gym equipment and so uh not only is the like from the leather to the, the 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 machining, the the welding. I mean, it, it is made by Eduardo Panada's dad. Uh, probably loves you. He was a he was a bodybuilder who's I guess he's probably seventy or so. Oh, he's in seventy. He said the other day in the call, yeah. And he still loves bodybuilding. He found out about Redcon One from the magazines, which is like mm -hmm. you're the only one still still reading so magazines. advertising. I mean, so uh, I guess he gets MD or I, I must, must I guess he gets MD. I would think probably. Probably the only one left. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say flex, but he doesn't get flex, and uh. 
So he uh, he gets the, the magazines and he loves, loves, loves Redcon. And that's kind of how we got hooked up with them. They, they give us, without ruining the, the whole thing, they give us a lot of equipment. Uh, because they So let me ask you this. Do you have the piece that is like the shoulder press and it turns into like the bench press or whatever that has yeah, the unilateral yeah, 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 isolateral yeah, handles? Smith machine. Johnny's good on there. Yeah, there you go, Johnny. Perfect. That's one I've used that before. It's really good. The bench adjusts inside, right? Yeah, so it's unilateral and it's and it's converging. So you get like the flex at the top. So whether it's bench or shoulder or incline or whatever you're getting, and then it moves in and out. So no matter what your biomechanics are, you can have it hit the right spot. Yeah, it's really cool. Really, really cool. All their stuff is really cool. I mean, you can tell me and Eric when it all came in. We didn't know the whole story that. Eduardo's dad was uh, not this Eduardo, different Eduardo's dad yeah, yeah. was uh, was an actual bodybuilder. And so and loved, yeah, and the mom is a is a world record holder for deadlift and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it makes more sense now because I was like, well, how are these people who's ever making this obviously trains? Like, because they're made for people who train. All of the little things you're like that you don't even think about. Where you're like, well, that would be cool. It's like for a dip, the dip machine is unilateral, so you can do either one. You could do it together. Or you could do them dip to get uh, one at a time face it face away face from away it. from yeah. it it's stuff where it's like well you know that's only something you'd think of if you were really into training because m almost nobody thinks of things like that uh and so um all of their equipment has been fantastic and we're excited to get the rest of it and uh and we, we are those uh, watts and dumbbells yeah we got watts yep. and dumbbells yep wow those are those are amazing they you made me some for my garage that's cool for for just now for COVID nineteen or like in the yeah, well no I've had them I've had them and they have to cut their nutrition on them and everything I know Dana and Rob make them for their gyms and stuff yeah yeah yep. um yeah, we got a bunch of we have when you come Jay whenever you get decide to get your ass over here you're going to be very impressed with the gym I mean the gym is is truly first class and we're we're only making it better I mean the gym isn't isn't even I mean it is a money maker now it wasn't ever we never thought I never thought the area was intent no we we weren't we were just wanted to make it awesome. And like, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Now it's making money. Uh, but we never, ever in a million years thought like this is going to be a thing where we'll, we'll make money. And, you know, but it, it, well, it, hopefully I can get down there um, if, you know, the nationals or whatever. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll be down at some point. Yes. Yes. I'm sure at some point, whether it's this year or next year, at some point you're going to be down here. And I'm going I'm to drag you uh, from Fort Lauderdale over to Boca to come check it out. Um, you can ask Mel. Mel's been there. Mel was there for. He was there for the grand opening. I think he's yeah, he told there. me. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we, they, a lot of people have got a chance to come see it. Very, very nice. I should mention, at least since Jay's on the show, very, very nice of Jim Mannion. Jim Mannion uh, allowed us to use the huge logo for the MPC and said that we're the official uh, gym for the MPC in, in uh, Florida. And, and that's a big, big deal. There's the logo right there, Johnny. Very nice of him. He didn't have to do that and uh, was very cool. I heard that. I saw, I saw the pictures. It's great. Very nice. And I didn't ask him. I didn't say, hey, can we do this? He's the one who brought it up and said, I'd like you to put it on the wall. And uh, that was a extremely nice thing to do that, that that I think a lot of people like. So a lot of people come to the gym. Because that's the same one, uh, Jade, that's on the wall in Pittsburgh. You know, that's literally the same one. Mm -hmm. And people yep. go to a Pittsburgh gym to work out. It's an invitation only. It's gym, uh, Jim's gym. So when they go in there, they take a picture. So, you know, that's all the way in Pittsburgh. So if you're in Florida, that this is the only place. Shit, it's the only place other than Pittsburgh, period. So yeah, I think very so. cool. Very, very cool. There it is. So, Jay. Look forward, look forward to coming down. I appreciate it so much, guys. Well, now you don't have a choice. I mean, we talked <laughs> all this stuff. We got you we got to get you down here, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on the show again, Jay. We're going to have you back for a panel show or if there's another big topic to talk about in the future. 
And uh, I can't wait to uh, hopefully see you pretty soon, man. I mean, I would assume it'll be at the Olympia, but if something comes up first, uh, we have a few shows in the works. We're still going to go to Tampa Pro. We've got the FitCon that we're going to go to in Utah in August. Are you going to go to that one? I'm scheduled for that. Let's see if, as long as it takes place, I'll see you before then. I, I'd like if the nationals will be before the Olympia. So yeah, November. Yeah, they will. They will. 100%. I'd love to come for the Tampa pro. I just don't know what's happening with that yet. Nobody knows. Nobody knows me either. Nobody knows. So yeah. I mean, things could change at any, at any moment. Florida had a day where we had like 8,000 new cases. Which was yeah. It's crazy. The worst case day, like during March was like 1200. So it's like, who the fuck knows? Mm -hmm. Jay, thank you so much for spending time with us. Get to the gym, get your workout in, and we will see you soon, buddy. Thank you, Jay. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys, so much. Thanks. Thank you. All right. So before we end, if you guys have some questions, uh, red color questions, okay. four more, perfect. Let's hit us with four questions, and then I'm ready to hell out of here. <laughs> uh, is there anyone of the red color team who can – out eat Adam Shear. I read it the other way around yeah. at first and almost fucking lost it. <laughs> <laughs> there probably is somebody who can do that. Uh, but yeah. so, uh, so who could eat, out eat him? Uh, Rudy. You think Rudy could? Rudy eats a gross amount of food on a regular basis. I mean, Bradshaw, um, nobody eats more than Bradshaw. No, no, I've never seen anybody eat more than Other than Kai Green. Kai Green eats more than Bradshaw. Oh, Kai Green is just like uh, aliens. I don't know, man. Uh, Adam ate a lot, but he didn't eat like a crazy, crazy. No, because even at dinner the one night at Capitol Grill, he, he ate a lot of food, but not a gross amount. Um, and I mean, maybe Brian, he could have kept going, but Brian would do, you know, a salad, an appetizer, two full entrees, two full sides, and yep. two desserts. Yep, everything. And this is done. like this is not like a, a this is not like Abe and Louis. It's like a place that has you know he he'd order the the forty some of those yeah. steaks for well, he would often he would order two of the porterhouse for two. Yep. So they're not like a little, they're not like a little petite filet. You're talking about him eating like 50, 60 ounces of meat. Yeah, like nothing. Yeah. And Kai, Kai is a whole different level. Kai would be like insane. Because Kai would eat, um, Kai would do multiple bottles of water. So he'd do, you know, 80, 90, whatever, 90 something ounces of bottle of 90 ounces of Pellegrino. But he would, then he would do the salad and then he would do three or four of the vegetables. So he'd do three or four broccolis, which are about a pound each. So you eat like four pounds of broccoli. And then he would do two. Uh, you do a fish and, and, a, uh, and a steak, or sometimes you do three yeah, fishes. Yeah, multiple, yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, so he's eating so much in terms of, like, actual density. So to eat four of those big broccolis from Abe and Louis, that's like a thing that, like, an elephant does. Yeah, he's, he's well, I mean, anybody who could eat five pounds of cashews in one day as snacks. Well, he took a shit and, uh, and um in the UK, that that, that oh, everybody, everybody ran out. out. Everybody ran out of the bathroom. <laughs> he ran. They ran out of. He the, ran out even. He, so he <laughs> took a shit in this uh, quick stop or like you know Circle K, and to, in the road. And when he took a shit, he ran on out. And then everybody piled out because the shit in the bathroom, the Circle K, cleared out the whole place once he ran out and got in the yeah, car. Uh, so like, you know, he's an elephant. I, you know, he's he's a he's an alien. He's an yeah. alien. Uh, is there going to be another readiness trials in the fall? It would be nice to have it twice a year. We will definitely have readiness trials again in 2020. That's all I can tell you. The rest has got to be a surprise. You can't tell too much. Oh, our buddy Dan. Dan. Are you guys going to create suggested use videos for basic training and like other supplements that Aaron does? Yeah, we, we always sure. will. Um, just been a little crazy around here lately. We haven't gotten around to making them, but yeah, we will do those videos. Is there going to be a batch of breach energy aminos made? Uh, as of now, Breach Ballistic, which that's the product was, we've discontinued it. Um, it just really didn't have 
you know, the demand that we, we hope for. I mean, that's one thing that we've learned. I mean, look, we've had success with every product we've ever brought out, but there are levels of success. And I think that the important part for us is to take a close look at the 80-20 rule where 80% of the, uh, 20% of the, of the SKUs bring in 80% of the volume. So the ones that are on the very bottom are taking up inventory space using money that we could be using for the products that are doing really well, that 20%. So it doesn't make sense for us at this point in the brand to have really slow movers that we keep going because people are buying them in a very low amount. So we've decided for those type of products to get rid of them. And every time you do that, there's always people that go, well, I love that one, right? And, uh, and I get that, but there's also, you know, 99% of the people that didn't give a shit. So that's the thing is as a business grows, you have to decide we have finite amount of money. We have finite amount of room for inventory and uh, we have finite amount of uh, media to, to advertise it. And most people have a finite amount of dollars to yes. spend. Oh, so, that's no question about And that. again, as much as we love, we hate essentially sending away any one of our kids, yeah. um, you know, we actually have a, had a problem with that. We actually finally had to get real like tough with ourselves and say, hey, listen, it just isn't really working to your point. It, you know, and then our guys on the development team who are standing in the background, anytime there's a change, they got to make changes for those products that aren't moving. So yeah, it's just a business decision. And obviously it makes room though for new stuff like basic training that maybe yep. before we're like, well, there's not enough shelf space anymore. Can you guys make a cotton candy flavor double tap? Very possible, it's possible for sure. We can pretty much make anything. We can make anything. Will we make it? That's really the question. Um, it's possible. I can take more. out the garbage at home, but will I? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We love having you. Rating report, report episode number seven was a huge success. It was nice to have Mark Vargas in the beginning. If you didn't get to see Mark, please make sure to tune in. Johnny will edit this thing, get it up within by morning time anyway. It'll be available. It's also available on Facebook. It'll be available on uh, all the streaming platforms. So uh, not only will it be iTunes and uh, Stitcher and everywhere Spotify. else, Spotify. Spotify. So if you'd like to watch the show, listen to the show as you're driving in the car, you missed the beginning, please uh, take advantage of subscribing. We would also love for you to press the like button on shop on uh on youtube make a nice comment potentially subscribe we would love that even more if you're watching it for the first time and then on facebook the most important thing you can do is hit the share button by hitting the share button the like button you're telling facebook this is good shit and to show it to more people not just sharing it to your people you're actually you know tricking the algorithm to tell them hey this is something that we should show to more people because facebook wants to show good content to more people so please do that and if you do maybe we'll be back next week Maybe oh, we're not going to be back. Like maybe so. maybe oh, not. Man. I don't know. We oh, do have on the loose <laughs> on the loose schedule for next week. Brandon Curry. Brandon Curry is the current Mr. Olympia, and um, I would love for you guys to get the chance to meet him. He is a fantastic guy. His wife Brandy and him have been friends of mine and also yours for a decade yeah, I plus. Signed him when he was amateur. Yeah, I mean I have all kinds of uh, good stories, and and uh, Brandon is a great guy. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And we will talk to you and see you next week. Bye, guys.